Pop Culture Affidavit Episode 95, Staying Alive in 1995. And welcome to episode 95 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. So this one is a little special, and it's not just because I'm one episode closer to episode 100. For this one, I sat down with Amanda and we talked about the first of two milestone years for the both of us, which is 1995. Why? Well, originally this episode was actually going to be about the movie Clueless, but the more the two of us planned, the more we realized that we were going to have more fun talking about 1995 as a whole instead of just Clueless. So that is what we decided to do instead. We're going to take you through TV, movies, and music of that year and also answer the question, why is it so important for the two of us? We'll get to that right after this break. Hey, Mike. Shag, what What are you doing in my house? I, I had a key made, but that's not important. Anyway, I just had a great idea for a trailer for that cute little network you do. The, the Fortress of Bailey Toot Podcasting Network? Yeah, that's the one. It's adorable. I love it. I mean, look at you. Like, with the network and stuff. Thanks. I, I, I think. Anyway, you know how people sometimes advertise something by, like, being extreme and suggesting that you just might die if you don't buy, like, a particular product or something? Yeah, I, I believe those people are called sadists. Sadists? That's one way you could say it. Or guy with a marketing degree. Kind of the same thing. Anyway, we could record a promo where I ask you something like, Mike, do you know who didn't listen to the Fortress of Bailey 2 Podcasting Network? Who? Gwen Stacy. Really? You know who else didn't listen to it? Who? Thomas and Martha Wayne. The Waynes. And Uncle Ben. Not the rice. Uncle Ben. And the entire planet of Krypton. Except those that survived. What about Bucky or Jason Todd? Ooh, that's genius. Okay, we'll say they didn't listen, and then Superboy Prime punched a wall, and then they listened, and they were brought back to life. I guess we could also say that Aunt May subscribes and unsubscribes all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now you're catching on. I'm not doing that, Shag. I'm not going to suggest that people will die if they don't listen to the Fortress of Bailey-Tude podcasting network, which hosts such shows as From Crisis to Crisis, Overlook Dark Knight, Views from the Long Box, It All Comes Back to Superman, and Bailey's Batman Podcast, and that they can find the network at www.fortressofbailey2.com. Are you sure? I mean, I do have, like, a marketing degree and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty smart. No. Can I at least be in the trailer? Yes. The Fortress of bailey Podcasting Network. The repository of podcasts produced and hosted or co-hosted by Michael Bailey. Head on over to www.fortressofbailey2.com to download the shows directly. You can also find a master feed of all shows by searching for Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or you can subscribe to the shows individually. 
The Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network does not suggest that not listening to any of these shows will prove fatal, nor does it endorse surreptitiously making a key to a friend's house for the purposes of busting in and suggesting ideas for podcast trailers. Music in this trailer by Kevin McLeod. to start our, our conversation with um, a little bit about like you know why we're you know, why we're kind of talking about 1995 just in general yeah you, you never told me why we're doing this all right well original so the original the original concept for the episode which I talked about in my intro segment was that I was originally going to do um, clueless yes. because clueless came out in 1995 mm-hmm. um, and then you and I were emailing back and forth and talking about it and you said and I said um, I said I also wanted to kind of have a general 1995 conversation, and that kind of morphed into this with maybe a little bit of a, not a lengthy talk on Clueless, but um, but a little bit more of it. And um, we have I, we have a few pages of notes. <laughs> no, 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 that is a lie, dear listener. It is not a few pages of notes. It is one, two, three, four, five. Six double-sided pages worth of notes that I was They're literally just, handed ten seconds before just, you turned the recording device just, on. It's just a list of like no, things that came no, out. In this is a tome. It's a, it's a tome. tome. Anyway, hell? It's a reference. You've list. got it broken. You've got movies broken out by month. Not only are we talking about 1995. I'm trying to absorb it all. It'll be okay. Not only are we talking about 1995 <laughs> because this is the 95th episode of the show. And it's the year we graduated it high school. Is, it, that's the main reason I, <laughs> I chose it. It's the first of two episodes we're going to do concerning years in the next few episodes. Are we doing 99? We are doing 1999. Can we play, can you play Barnes Courtney 1999 over some some segment? Sure, of sure. Have you heard that song? I think I have. It's good. I, so, I like him. Yeah. All right. The recommendation out of nowhere. So listen to him. So yeah. So for nineteen ninety, we're, we're for episode ninety five. We're doing nineteen ninety five, and for and for uh, nineteen ninety nine, we're going to do episode ninety nine. We're going to do nineteen ninety nine, and and we're going to do kind of the same thing. We're just gonna we're going to talk a little bit about like where we were in the world. And as Amanda mentioned, we both graduated high school um, in nineteen ninety five, and um, and we you know we've podcasted about specific years before because we did the HF Festival show. And we talked about just the music of 1996 and the summer of 1996 especially. And we did point out in that episode that that was actually right before the two of us met in person mm-hmm. and started going out. Um, so we we both we just both happened to graduate from separate high schools in completely separate states in the same year. So it's it's kind of one of those milestone years. Although as I was looking back through it. I'm looking through television and movies and things. There are other years I think that were like pop culture wise slightly better here and there. I think 1994. I did a whole year's worth of podcasts about five years ago about 1994 because 1994 is like 
a very huge year when it comes to pop culture. And that was one of the first years I ever had you on the show because that's the year we sat down and talked about, we watched the Thanksgiving specials, the Thanksgiving specials yep. and everything. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, television, movies, and music. But I wanted to ask, um, you know, uh, it's kind of this milestone year in our lives, even though I think the two of us don't hold up high school as like the most important years of our lives or anything. But you do kind of like remember, you kind of mark, mark time over the course of your life. So like put yourself back in 1995, like, you know, where were you? <laughs> you know, it, actually this, this episode is well-timed because... We've got that bin of crap in our guest room, <laughs> and the majority of the crap is mine. Uh, it's because I already Marie Kondoed the, the my crap. Yeah, yeah, and it's full of my middle school yearbooks, which are just, oh, God, a docu- documentation of a terrible time in, in my life as a, as a tween. Um, and my uh, there was this like scrapbook that you got with all of your Jostens paraphernalia like mm-hmm. when you got your ring and you got your cards mm-hmm. this is very low tech we still had beepers we mm-hmm. did not have <laughs> smartphones um and uh you know uh, the the little wallet sized pictures of everybody mm-hmm. well it came with this book that you were supposed to like document a year in the life or whatever and so um i was flipping through it and it was just interesting that um like you had to write down like the superlatives like who you thought was best dressed or this that and mm-hmm. the other i can't remember half the people I wrote in that (laughs) list and it was funny I guess if I had to say I was anywhere I mean obviously I was in Stafford Virginia I did not date anyone ever in high school because I was determined to get the hell out of Stafford Virginia Mm. I always had my eye on a prize and that prize was getting the hell out of there (laughs) I, if it depends on what time of, uh, what time of 1995, but as of April of 1995, I had gotten accepted into UVA. So I felt pretty okay about life because I was getting out of there and I was going to, you know, a great school. One time I'll have to go off on a tangent about how dumb I was as a college applicant. I was a, I'm a first generation college attendee slash graduate and um, I tell this story a lot because my parents, God bless them, they had no idea how to apply for college. Okay, so the tangent is now. Sometime <laughs> is now. Um, and I, uh, I applied to four whole schools, UVA, Georgetown, UNC Chapel Hill, and William and Mary, because the only rule my mom gave me was that for every out-of-state school I applied to, I had to apply to an in-state school. school. Okay. So dumb me applied to four schools. Which I would never recommend anybody do because it was, it, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I thought I could get into all four of those schools. But for the record, I got into UNC Chapel Hill. I got into William & Mary. I got waitlisted at Georgetown and then ultimately declined, which broke my heart because that's where I wanted to go. And I got accepted into UVA. So um, now that we're upon March Madness, I do love that I got to write on the William and Mary and the UNC cards, why I wasn't attending, mm-hmm. I wrote, because I'm going to UVA. So <laughs> that is satisfying that I got to tell Chapel Hill where to go <laughs> before I knew anything about basketball rivalries. So yeah, the spring of 95 was like, I, I mean, you, you do start to get that senioritis where you're just mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I, I got into the school I wanted and it was April and I didn't graduate until June. So I had like, <laughs> you know, two yeah. more months to like, yeah. you know, deal with stuff. But I mean, I was mostly just trying to hang out with my friends as much as possible, but you could already tell that there was some weirdness starting. Like, my best friend in high school, 
he he never wanted to really go to college. He applied to one college just to appease his mom, mm. and he could he was already we were already starting to bicker and fight because I was leaving and yeah. he was staying behind and you know whatever. But it was just I don't know. I remember it was a time of like. So fashion-wise, God, I'm really, you're going to have to edit this. But I, I remember when we went back to school shopping for, you know, that fall, the fall of 94. There, everything that was, like, really trendy was, like, kind of going back to childhood. So, like, that's when, like, Lowly Worm from the Richard Scarry books was, like, on T-shirt. Like, you could go in the Hot Topic and I get all the retro stuff. Those, and you could yeah. get the retro lunch boxes and, like overalls were a big thing yes. so you basically look like an overgrown kindergartner there's that winona rider on the cover of rolling stone sure or something in a in an well, overalls with really nothing else underneath and you know um jennifer aniston wore them a lot on friends yeah. and you know whatever so like but there were i just remember it was like the fashion was kind of like because again it, which blows my mind now in the 20 teens i don't know what we call this decade but um, seeing all the '90s revival because mm -hmm. that was 20 years ago, yeah. and so when we were teenagers in the '90s, the big revival was the '70s. Yeah. So you were either dressing like an overgrown toddler, or <laughs> you had like your mom's candy shoes and her old disco dress, which <laughs> I legit wore to a school event because our um, our school mod our class motto was "Staying Alive in '95." There you go. Yeah. So. Anyway, it was just, you know, it was a time of transition. Mm -hmm. I, I was so excited to be going to college and getting away from Stafford that I just tried to spend time with my friends. But at the same time, I, I, had my, I had my eye on a different prize and it was in the future. And so um, I remember, I don't know, I, just remember, I remember being happy for what I had, but I also remember being really happy I was leaving. <laughs> I, I was like halfway there because I really did not want to stay i knew like in the middle of probably like as we started senior high school i knew i didn't want to stay on long island yet at the same time i still had an i still had an attachment and a love for like sayville which is my hometown on the south shore of long island but like i i wanted to go away and mm -hmm. i wanted to go if not if if not off long island if not out of state then definitely off long island so i wasn't going to apply to like suny stony brook or anything i did consider NYU, but was told if you're going it, if you're going, I'm not. I think my dad's words were, "I'm not paying for you to go to school in the city. You'll commute." And I was like, "Well, fuck that." So um, I never applied to NYU, but um, I probably would have gotten in too. Um, I applied to like seven or eight different colleges, um, two of which were State University of New York SUNY schools, and the SUNY application, and, and that was one of those things where it was it was almost like you, you only filled out one application, you just checked the boxes of which SUNY schools you were applying to, so you really only were paying like one fee. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like I applied to six or, or whatever, or, or seven. Um, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head. I do remember that I, I, one of them was like the University of Rhode Island for some reason. It was like I had all these brochures in front of me and I was like trying to pick different things. Um, and I did like, it was, it was almost like, cause my, my dad had gone, I'm not a first generation college student cause my dad has a bachelor's and a master's degree, but he went to Adelphi and then Long Island University CW Post, which are both local colleges on. But he was a working adult at that time. He was a working he? adult. Well, he had, he had, he had already been in the He'd service. Been in the military. So he was essentially the GI, but the, the government was paying for it. You know, he was, 
Um, you know, I don't know all the circumstances, but he did not go in the traditional way yeah, that he like, wasn't like a residential. Do. Yeah, and my mom, student. my mom never went to college. She worked her way up through, you know, um, and etc. So our moms are both similar that way. Yeah. So yeah. So, so there was certain, still still a certain amount of naivete that comes with that came with me, and it was it was like I didn't know necessarily like I was and and. and Guidance, guidance counselors. I give guidance counselors now a lot of credit because I know I've worked with them for many, many years, and I've worked with ones who are really, really good at sitting down with students and like really trying to work them through, especially students who are first generation college students, work them through the whole process and what they need to look out for and all these things. Because I don't even remember who our guidance counselors yeah, were. I, they basically pointed to a room that had a bunch of college brochures in it, and they were like, "Well, you can look at these." I'm like. Thanks. That's what it pretty much was, <laughs> and then and then they were like, okay, you know, this is how the, you know this is what we do for college recommendations. It really, you know, like letters of rec from your teachers, and that was about it. Yeah. So it really wasn't. They weren't really much help. So um, I went to Loyola College in Maryland, which is now Loyola University Maryland. You know, whatever. I got my bachelor's. I got my master's from UVA <laughs> a couple of years ago. So there you go. My college choices actually came down to Loyola and Syracuse University in upstate New York, and honestly, it was because they were at the time they were both the same amount of tuition, and they both were giving me the same amount of money and I just did not Syracuse just did not appeal to me for some reason we could have had matching school colors yeah. <laughs> so, of all the money we would save so anyway I did remember two schools two like three pretty high high profile schools that I got two I got into one I didn't get um, into I, I got you see at least um, Dartmouth rejected me flat out and I didn't have to wait yeah wait you get strung along <laughs> well at least you weren't dumb enough to think UVA was your safety school <laughs> Which is the but, which is the part I left out of how stupid I was in 1994. So Colgate University, upstate New York, was kind of my second choice. Um, accepted me, but I wasn't going to be getting any money, and I was just and it was just way too expensive. And despite my mother was like, "Oh, we'll make it work," I was like, "No, it's just it was just it was one of those things where it's like, no, this it was just way too expensive for a bachelor's degree." So I I held off on that, and then. I did get into uh, the University of Spoiled Children out in Los Angeles, and Aunt and Becky, you, and Becky did not. I was gonna say, Aunt Becky you did not pay for weren't it. Weren't an Instagram influencer. You didn't have great eyebrows. <laughs> you didn't have like SpawnCon, and you didn't. Like your mom wasn't arrested at her house by the FBI. I, I don't know how you pulled it yeah. off. It was a different time. <laughs> Kind of regret not checking it out at least, but it was just again, it was like all the way across the country. So. Well, and your parents are probably like, you'll come home twice a year. Yeah, yeah, that's right? basically yeah. what they were. So I was like, all right, you know. So see, it, when we send Brett to Stanford, I will not be that way. He can come home whenever he wants. Maybe we'll come out, or he there can go to time. MIT. <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll go visit because we could because we'll we'll go to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get maybe I'll get my old lady condo in <laughs> in like Oakland. I hear that's up and coming. That's gentrifying quick. <laughs> anyway. Um, my senior year was odd. It was like, I was, you know, I was, I was one of the few people I knew who was really working his butt off in terms of school. Um, but this is because I was a goody, goody, great grubbing honors student. Um, I had a photographic memory and went to school yeah. in Virginia, so I didn't have to try very hard. I did start, I, I just, without getting too much into the details, I went out with like two people over the course of senior year. One was very quick in it. Um, and, and. She and I are still friends to this day. Um, the other was this, uh, it's just hard to describe, but basically uh, this girl who I ended up dating through my freshman year, and then we eventually finally broke up the summer after my freshman year of college. Uh, we started dating in senior year of high school, and it was just, it was, and, and like, you know, the, 
the fact that like we were fighting with each other a lot before we went away to before I left for school mm. was probably should have been the sign on the you know the, mm. the sign. But at the same time, again, it was twenty five almost twenty five years ago at this point. So like you know what are you going to do about it? But it was just kind of interesting to see like how just kind of odd things were, and you know, and and and, and this actually happened too at senior college. But it's a whole other whole other story. My friends were starting to get on my nerves more and more. Just like kind of, especially some of the friends I had in high school who never really grew up very much. It took or it took them a while to grow up. So, you know, especially some of the guys. So by the time I was leaving in August for Loyola, I had a girlfriend who was like I, you know, because I really had never had a girlfriend before. I was, you know, I was a little little too attached to that to her. But um, but with my friends, I was like. I'll see you in November. Like, mm. you know, it was just kind of like, I, I just need to, I, I, I was appreciative of the fact that I had a clean break. And I think part of it was that the previous summer I had gone on one of those like people to people student ambassador trips to Europe. Yeah. Right. And one of the things I always got out of this and I wrote about this years ago was that I went to this thing with a bunch of people who didn't know me mm -hmm. and it, not that I was like superstar guy or anything. I was just like myself and everything, but it just like when you show up to a place and there's none of the stupid baggage that's been following you around for like yeah. six, seven, eight, twelve 12 years, depending on how long people have known you, I discovered how refreshing that was. And that's what I was looking forward to the most about at least being away yeah. for, for nine months out of the year. I will say when I started um, my first year at UVA, I did, I pulled like a Lisa Simpson at the beach <laughs> where like, I was like, I'm not going to be anything like I was in high school because I was also a goody two shoes. I got good grades. So when I got to, you know, my first year of college, I was like, I'm never, I'm never, I'm not going to be that. Like I, I knew I had to keep my grades up. Although mm -hmm. my first semester grades were the only mine, thing. Mine were terrible the, the only thing that made me feel better is my roommates worse um and two of my friends failed out of their first semester of college yeah so i i um you know i immediately joined a sorority which was mm -hmm. dumb teenagers of the future do not join the greek system maybe at all but it's mm -hmm. definitely not your first semester of college um and i was i just became like a total party girl like every weekend i was out Mm -hmm. I was at a fraternity house or at a house party or whatever, and it that's probably why my grades suck so bad. But, like, what was weird is I didn't really make any, like, I was in a sorority and I had friends in the sorority, but I didn't really make, like, close friends outside of it. Mm -hmm. So, the one probably big regret I had in the fall of 1995 and the spring of 96 is, um, you know, I, I never, like, dedicated myself to, like, those close college friendships yeah. I never you know I was too busy just trying to you, know, you look at it now and it's I just felt like if I if I come in with no baggage right mm -hmm. like nobody yeah. knows me except the other three people from Stafford who got into UVA I could be someone completely different mm -hmm. and what was funny is by the time I got to the end of college I was like I, I almost didn't really I because I, I was on this precipice of doing it all over again like graduating mm -hmm. college and you know whatever yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was just, I have to say, like, I was definitely, you and I have talked about this before, like, I, I wish I had taken a gap year, because yeah, I, I was, about to say that. I like, was freshly I, 18, like, I, I had no business going I can't even chalk my, I can't even chalk my, um, 
my issues fresh first semester freshman year up to partying because I didn't really do much of it. Well, that's because you were smart and actually studied. Well, no, because I... Because there was one time we were emailing. Yeah. And you told me you were like, get off your computer and go to class. <laughs> that was in the second semester, though, because um, I had... I buckled down my second semester mainly because I had to make this... I had to make not straight A's, but like 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 a three five or something to keep my scholarship or something like that because you know I, I, I had not done very well my first semester so I was like really just like you know on it and so my dad did threaten to pull me out of Loyola if I didn't get a scholarship and just basically send me to like Stony Brook or wherever you know basically you know no you're screwing this up I was lucky um, I went to the school and stayed because my mom was like just get the degree yeah <laughs> well so, but, but but like you know I look at that I wasn't partying I was like I was I, I gained a ton of weight mainly because I kept eating but um but uh, you know there was just a lot of like I was I was just really really immature and you know the, the the girl I was dating at the time was just it was just not it, it, it like when, when I look back and I'm like there was just kind of this perfect storm of like you know me not really getting the most out of it or, or whatever I don't know but it was just like you know there's just a lot of stuff that in that in, into the winter of '95 into the into '96 where um, things did start to improve as I as I kind of buckled down a little bit and then I st <laughs> my first semester of sophomore year. Which Especially is not nineteen ninety five. Which is the we're fall of ninety six, I will say, and then we're gonna then we're gonna segue out. I think the fall of ninety six worked out just fine for you. Yeah, it, it, yeah, because I met you, but prior to that, I was basically playing catch up for most of the semester. Now I was keeping That's what my I did grades. Say yeah. I was keeping my grades, so I didn't make that mistake. But basically, I was a drunken mess like every weekend of my first semester, second year. Uh, sophomore year because it was just basically like you know i didn't I party all freshman year. year i'm gonna i'm gonna do it all but yeah so it was just it was just i just remember 1995 was like really really an odd year and it was interesting because i had been looking forward to my senior year of high school for a long time and it wasn't terrible i think we, it's fair to say it was a time of transition and it i just remember there being this sort of feeling of almost wanting to go back to being like a kid like mm -hmm. just in the terms of fashion and in like I remember like I wanted to hang out with my parents a lot because I was afraid I was going to miss them until my mom picked a fight with me like every day of the summer and I couldn't wait to get the hell away from home. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that was just her reaction to yeah. me leaving. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just it was a it was a strange time. Yeah. I have, you know, and I can parse the good memories to the bad memories, and there are certain, or the, or the kind of, like, the tension that was between me and certain friends, like, you know, one friend, um, she and I were not talking at all at that point because of some high school drama that had gone on with that, you know, and stuff, and the girl I was dating, like, hated all my friends to the point where she was like, I don't really feel like going to your prom with you, why don't you take somebody else because your friends, I can't stand me. And now I'm friends with your prom date. Yeah, my prom date was, I just basically <laughs> went, I asked my about one of my best friends, and I was, she was like, yeah, let's go. So, what, what the cool thing that came out of that was that, like, I have a good memory of that night and everything. I so, do not. My prom sucked. <laughs> sorry. But on that note, we are going to take a very quick break. And when I get back, we're going to start talking about pop culture in 1995. We're going to start with television because I think that's the shortest of the Let three Let me segments. flip to Appendix B, page 54. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back.
Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure. Gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. Now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. thing is, like, I, I knew this was going to be the shortest segment of the three because when I look at what was popular on TV and what was going on on TV in um, 1995, I didn't. I don't know about you. I didn't watch a lot of television at this point. I was either in my room doing homework every night, and there were certain shows that I made a point to watch. But even some of the shows that were like still on the air for a while, I had stopped watching. I remember. I remember like. This was the season of Lois and Clark. I just remember this because he proposed to her in the season finale, at the which was in, in May, and then I remember sitting in my dorm room at Loyola just so that, and, and trying to find a television that picked up ABC so I could watch the season premiere of the mm-hmm. next season. But then I don't think I watched much of that season, to be honest with you, because, again, it was like... By then it was like, you know, we were watching movies every night and everything. We weren't really watching a lot of television. But just there's cer- certain um, newsworthy events, though, the biggest thing I think that happened in 1995 on television was the O.J. Simpson trial. Right. Uh, on October 30, 1995, 150 people, 50 million people watched the verdict. I did not, I believe I was in class based on like, because it happened in like the middle of the day. Well, and, knowing my first semester, I probably wasn't in class, yeah. but I don't think I was watching the <laughs> did verdict you watch, I didn't watch any of the trial mainly because I was... Um, I didn't watch a trial, but I remember I was watching something sports related, probably like a baseball game or something, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, like up in my parents' room, because they were the, at the time I didn't have a TV in my room yet, and I was just watching television in their room, and the they broke into whatever I was watching to watch the Bronco chase. Yeah, back in like '94. With yeah, the, yeah, because yeah. I remember watching that because I I remember because I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, why did you break into whatever yeah. I was watching? I don't I don't remember what I would have been watching, what I had been watching, but I do remember that I I had had made a note because Stone Temple Pilots were supposed to be on Letterman that night and it got bumped mm. or whatever. 
but I, that's I, so I had started watching it at some point, probably because I had been flipping around because yeah. I was home. Yeah, that was huge, and and we watched American Crime Story the first season. That was a huge. That was such a cool throwback. That Plus was that a, ESPN OJ. Yes, but Made in America, I the, think it was called. Yes, but the People versus OJ Simpson was a very important time for me because that's when I learned that Sterling K. Brown existed. That's true. He played Christopher Darden, and I have been a stan ever since. <laughs> yeah. So, um, other big things were uh, Fox began airing the NHL, which, and I wrote next to it, stupid glow puck, because you remember, <laughs> remember that. So, it had like a tail. Yeah, they, don't, so they don't air the NHL anymore, but what's important, the reason this <sighs> is important is this is the first time, I believe, and, and we got into the, set, the, the cup finals and everything. Um, up until then, Na the National Hockey League had really only been airing on cable yeah, um, or local channels. So, like, you didn't get the cup finals. on The cup finals in 94 when the Rangers won were on the MSG network. So it wasn't even – it's not like with um, the NFL where yeah. you know, stuff's on, on all the time. So, you know, this was this was – this, um, and the NBA was still on national and stuff. Um, that summer, Disney bought ABC and ESPN. Mm-hmm. I wrote down an SNL, Will Ferrell, Daryl Hammond, and Sherry O'Terry joined the cast, mainly because that's really the beginning of that, what became like the, a really, really good era for that show, because right before this, they had a couple of really terrible seasons. Well, and um, wasn't it in the spring of 95 when Oklahoma City happened? That was. It was Because just in terms of TV, the la like, I remember I was in sociology class, so mm -hmm. I remember this really clearly. And there, like, our teacher got like really upset and like dragged the TV into mm. the classroom and turned it on. And um, I remember freaking out because you know what they? I mean, same thing with nine eleven. Yeah. Where they they start like projecting like we don't know what happened. Of course, we think it's someone brown. Mm. You know, our uh, you know, does this mean other government agencies are being targeted? Yeah. And of course, both my parents are feds. So mm -hmm. I, well, my mom was contractor, so I started, like, in D.C., so I started freaking out, and I, but then I also remember that's the, the last time I watched something tragic happen in the classroom was the Challenger explosion. Mm. So that was, it was just, I remember that um, being, um, I just remember that from senior year, sitting in sociology class, watching people trying to run out of that building um, that had a giant hole in it. Yeah. I was home for some reason. I don't remember why. It might have been on a, on a long weekend or something like that it's at, high, at my high school because our spring break was weird. Um, I do remember uh, I do remember reading about that and then reading about like you know how they found McVeigh and all that. And mm -hmm. then there's a really good American experience, um, the, the Path to Oklahoma City or something like that that came out, or Oklahoma City that came out a couple of years ago, that it starts all the way back at like Ruby Ridge and through how McVeigh was radicalized and then traces it through Waco, and traces it. It's a fascinating look at the whole uh, that white supremacy in well, in the on the West Coast, and and how the and how white super terrorists um, like that are become who they are. So as far as yeah. how they, how they get the misinformation and how they get all the things that the motivation to perform the deeds. You well, know? and now they have even broader platforms yeah. thanks to Reddit, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. You know, what just happened in New Zealand, that was a white supremacist. I think I was reading some post that said, like, the last six mass shootings have been white men mm -hmm. with crazy-ass alt-right... Well, not even alt-right. Let's call it... Let's call a spade a spade. Nazi white supremacist yeah. manifestos. And so just trying to think about like how tragic Oklahoma City was mm -hmm. and we may have not had another Oklahoma City recently but we've had enough death by, by like, yeah, yeah paper cuts 
because of the platforms yeah. that we have now. I yeah. mean, it's just you wonder when the next one is happening, and you know nine times out of ten, maybe even ten out of ten, it's going to be a home-bred domestic terrorist. Yeah, well, and, and, and looking at Oklahoma City, and, and we'll get back on kind of the more um, lighter stuff. Sorry, yeah, this isn't, this isn't looking clueless. At, but looking at it, I was saying, looking at it and looking at that, that really, really good PBS documentary, this it's a very similar path even if the Internet is not involved. So it's, it's, it, it well, because it's us a, to study that well, Exactly. Thing. That's why we have to stop acting like this just happened. Yeah, yeah. It's rooted in something yeah. very, very yeah. old. So, um, a, a lighter side, or at least something that is important to... <laughs> Sorry, not, I took it in the dark. Something yeah. that's important, not necessarily to our generation, I guess, but to really to millennials, because they watch stuff like Dawson's Creek and things. Mm. Um, not that Gen X people didn't watch like Buffy and Dawson's Creek, because there's plenty of people... Oh, on God, there are so many insufferable um, Buffy fans. In the in January of 95, both UPN and WB launched. Mm -hmm. And that, that that's a huge game changer in terms of... It would... It would it would take a while, it would take a year and a half to two years to really become, for a WB to really become the teen channel broadcast network the way it does, the way it is, and it was and still is. But um, that kind of also kind of killed some syndication aspects of it, although there are some shows that... Um, well, you have to remember, didn't, didn't those, I mean, those networks for a long time subsisted on syndication yeah. before they could launch their yeah. you know yeah. unique properties yeah. so cable networks launched just really quickly back in 1985 the history channel the golf channel which is now i oh believe nbc, NBC golf, golf yep. a classic sports network which later became espn classic and i think is still around i'm not sure the outdoor living or outdoor life network which i think is the eventually became versus and then became um nbc sports sure cnn financial <laughs> cnn fn cnn financial which i'm not sure is not around anymore so I looked at the top-rated primetime shows, network broadcast shows, for both 94, 95, and 95, 96, and mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that many of them are sitcoms. Mm -hmm. um, for 94, it was uh, Seinfeld was number one, then you had ER, Home Improvement, Grace Under Fire, Monday Night Football, 60 Minutes. Monday Night Football and 60 Minutes were like mainstays in the top of the Nielsen mm -hmm. ratings for even, even yeah. still are, at least 60 Minutes is. NYPD Blue, um, Murder, She Wrote, and Friends were tied with at number eight. Um, <laughs> Don't come for Jessica Fletcher. No. You're only going to tie. Uh, Roseanne was at number 10, and then 11 was Mad About You. And then if you go to 95, 96, um, ER was number one. Mm. But then look at what I... Yeah, look at all the, the lineup. At, look, the lineup is NBC's Thursday night. We have Seinfeld and Friends, then Caroline in the City. Forget how high-rated that show was. Monday Night Football was at five. The single guy was at six. That was the Jonathan Silverman yeah, show that came on so after Friends. Boston Common. Boston Common was eight. Home Improvement was still at number seven. 60 Minutes, of course, nine. And NYPD Blue was at ten. So it's just really interesting to see how like one or two networks really dominating this field. There's one CBS show on this entire list on, in 95, 96. And then Murder, She Wrote is, there's two with Murder, She Wrote. Everything was ABC or, yeah. or NBC. That has changed in a big way. Like you have NCIS. So... Oh, yeah. Looking at shows that premiered, I talked about how the entire WP network came on, yeah. the entire UPN network. Star Trek Voyager launched the UPN network. Oh, my God. Hercules. My dad loves that Hercules show. and Xena. Oh, yeah, radio. yeah. My dad watched both. Sliders I watched for at least half. That was one of the few shows I watched from the beginning, like all the way, I think, to most of the end of the first season. And then after that, I didn't watch. I, I really enjoyed that whole concept of jumping to parallel Earths and everything. All right. I don't even remember what that is. That was Jerry O'Connell. 
and they had they they opened some sort of Stargate portal, and they had they had it was basically like quantum leap, but like a team, but they weren't leaping into people's bodies; they were just jumping to parallel Earths, and they were trying to find their way home. You know who loved the shit out of quantum leap? Mm. Melissa. I like quantum leap. Every time I'd swing by her room on a weekday, mm. she'd be watching Scott Bakula. I used to watch a lot of quantum leap. <laughs> And then there were uh, the Drew Carey show, which got run quite a bit. Um, I at the at the bottom of this is the, <laughs> the, the soap, the, the soap, the city, which used to be loving. I didn't realize that it it premiered that long ago. Like for some reason, I remember the city being later. Hmm. But it, it doesn't matter. It yeah. wasn't. But like I just yeah, you throw in the, that. You know that should have been the sign that soaps were dying. Because all the half-hour ones were starting to die off, except the bold and the beautiful. And then, um, because I think by the mid-2000s, Another World Was Gone and Passions was on for a little while. Yes. But, um... With Justin Hartley. Yes. And, uh, and I remember, because I remember your mom and, and you, especially, like, and we, we would watch All My Children, and we would go... We have a choice. Yeah. But if we were at my we parents' were, house, it was on. Yeah, and sometimes back in the day, like when we were fun employed back in the fall of 2004, uh, the two of uh, us would watch All My Children. Yeah, yeah. So, but the funny thing was is that we would go away from All My Children for a couple of years, come back to watch it at your parents' house, and nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. Um, it was the same. So, but there's a bunch of cable shows that premiere that a lot of people from the 90s remember. You have the the, the two cartoons on, on MTV that had come off of Liquid Television, The Max, which was based on Sam Keith's comic from Image, which had premiered back in the early 90s, like 91, 92. I might have an issue of that or so upstairs. And then Aeon Flux. I love that cartoon. That was really cool it to was watch. Just, I, I had no idea what the hell was going on, yeah, but I, lo- I just love the aesthetic. I love that it was kind of weird that she was like mm-hmm. some kind of spy. I'll never forget the episode where, because again, they didn't speak a language that you could understand, really. Like, mm-hmm. they, it was some, I don't know, I, from what I remember, I just remember there was these two lovers, and it was very Romeo and Juliet, and there was this giant wall that separated, like, wherever each of them lived. Uh, of course, I don't remember all the details, but, like, the, the end shot is, I think, the girl or the guy, one of them, I think it's the woman, tries to jump over the wall and she gets caught and they cut her legs off like with a laser and that's the end of the episode and i'm sitting there like what (laughs) so um yeah that 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 cartoon was out there comedy central premiered dr cat's professional therapist i love it and that's it that was the same team that did home movies yeah home movies the animation style of home movie god if you uh, listen i know you have a very specific audience but if y'all haven't seen home movies (laughs) please watch it it's so good um, what's his face? Brandon name? Small was the... Yeah, but who played McGurk? Oh. Who plays the can of corn? Yeah, who I is don't remember it? his name. What's his name? John... Yeah. Something? Yeah. God, I feel like an idiot. It's the guy who's in everything, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. And then, um, on MTV you had Singled Out, which was, um, which is basically a date, it was the dating game, basically. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't anything really, um, really that innovative in terms of its programming but it did it did really make jenny mccarthy really popular yes and then also unleashed chris harwick on the world thanks a lot world um but then you have the premiere of road h john benjamin h john that's benjamin. who it was okay. who played mcgurk the premiere of road rules yes which we watched for quite a while i did too. i did watch um was there anything because I, I look at the list of shows that were on and i'm looking at like what i might have watched on appointment i probably watched a decent amount of Seinfeld, but I do remember that tapering off. I watched Friends. 
not right from the beginning. I think I picked it up about halfway through the season, but I never stopped watching it from yeah. that point all the way to the end. But aside from Friends and a couple of you know, Sliders and a couple of other random shows, which I didn't even watch that consistently, there's a lot of this that I just wasn't watching. Was there anything like you remember just really tuning into, or was it just um, kind of like me where I was like... I watched... Chris, Chris and I, my friends and I, whenever we hung out, we just had MTV on, mm-hmm. and I'd throw it on after school. So I watched a lot of like, like I see here, Yo MTV <coughs> Raps ended. Yeah. I watched a lot of Yo MTV Raps. I watched a lot of um, just whatever was on back when they actually played music videos. And, and singled out was usually on yeah. in the background too. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I can't. You know, I have no attention span. Well, I have a hard time. Yeah. Well, a few weeks ago, a friend of ours <laughs> is down step. here, and we're sitting around on Saturday night just talking. We had um, MTV Classic on in the background because it was just '90s videos all night, and it really did feel like bringing up a friend, my friend's house in high school. Yeah, because that's what we would do yeah. too. We would just turn on MTV, and sometimes yeah. you would watch like four episodes of The Real World or Road Rules, just kind of on the background. I did watch a lot of Animaniacs. <laughs> I can't remember if it was on uh, senior year or I th- not. I think it was still on like. Um, I think it was still being run mm-hmm. um, because m- my sister and I would throw on cartoons or whatever was on in, in the afternoons anyway, you know, and stuff. But yeah, so I just I, I made a note of long running shows that ended because I didn't realize Empty Nest was all on all the way into 1995. But this is kind of the death of that Saturday Night lineup that um, yeah. that NBC had for a long time because of like the Golden Girls and stuff, and yeah. they never really could make it work after the Golden Girls, and they kind of gave up after that. Yeah, there wasn't. I mean, that's yeah. Saturday nights weren't great. Yeah. For television period. Although, is that when... I'm trying to remember. I, everything blurs together when... Remember when NBC started doing those... They brought back miniseries? And they'd like go over travels and... That was around... That was in the 90s because in 97 they did the Odyssey. Yeah. Because I have that on DVD yeah. for use in class with Armand DeSante. And they... He's... Believe it or not, it's a really good movie. No, I'm just laughing because <laughs> remember when Armand DeSante was like yeah. the sex yeah. symbol? Um... He works really well as a disses. They did a Merlin one with Sam Neill. Yeah. At one point, yeah, they, yeah, they were they trying did, to bring like back this, like yeah. the family miniseries, like yeah, the yeah. big epic family movie, and then they just kind of gave that up and yeah. started doing bad live musicals. Saturday Night Now is like if it's not college football season, um, it's it's like reruns of The Voice or or SVU or, or, or a Titan dead, Games or Dead White Woman Theater. Oh God, Dateline! Yeah. Don't get me started on Dateline. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, this was going to be a short segment. I just wanted to kind of briefly talk about television. I think we're going to talk more about movies and stuff. We're, I don't think we're going to go through every single movie on this list. Like I said, I copied and pasted a ton. Um, and then we're going to go into music. And again, we just have a long list to, to work from. But we probably have better memories of stuff. Because I know, I know both of us growing up in the suburbs where there really isn't anything to do. There was a pool hall. In my in Bayport, which is the next town over that my friends and I used to go to sometime, but we went to a lot of movies mm-hmm. in 1995, and and you and I through the late 90s would go to a lot of movies because we were hanging out in the burbs, and there's nothing to do. I was gonna say we to used do. to meet at my parents' house, which yeah. again is in the place I most desperately wanted to leave. Yeah. So there was nothing to do. Yeah, there's nothing to do. You go to the movies. Our first date, we saw Jerry Maguire. Yeah. So um, we're gonna come back and talk about movies. Uh, so stick around.
You are about to witness history in the making. Hi there, this is Todd from Forgotten Films, and if you spend all your time watching new releases, then you need to broaden your movie horizons. And a great way to do that is by joining me for the Forgotten Filmcast. We don't talk about the new releases, we don't even talk about the classics. We talk about the movies that time forgot. On each episode, I'm joined by another film blogger to discuss a film that may or may not be worth rediscovering. So look for the Forgotten Filmcast on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea and we're back so top 10 domestic gross box office according to box office mojo for 1995 uh, Toy Story was at number one. It made $191.7 million. Now, I don't know if this is adjusted. I, don't, I think this is actual and not adjusted for inflation for 2019. Yeah. Then I didn't put the dollar amounts for the rest of them. Batman Forever. Great soundtrack. Apollo 13. <laughs> Pocahontas. At number five was Ace Ventura when Nature Calls, and I wrote in parentheses, seriously? But you have to remember, Jim Carrey was a major yeah. star then. You had Ace Ventura, you had The Mask. You had Dumb and Dumber, like... Yeah, Dumb and Dumber came out... So this was... He made, like, four or five movies, like, right in a row. Because Dumb and Dumber came out on video, like, when we were in freshman year of college. Yeah, so like, I mean, had it. he had a track record. So mm-hmm. that actually doesn't shock me at all. GoldenEye was at number six. Jumanji, the original one with um, with Robin, Robin Williams, Williams yeah. was at number seven. The Casper movie was a... That I was actually surprised by. Even though I'm pretty sure a lot of people saw it, I was like, wow, that made enough money to be one of the top ten yeah, movies of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't have called that. Yeah, seven oh was my number God. nine. That's not, I actually am surprised that's not higher. Yeah, and Die Hard with a Vengeance was ten. I saw seven at a midnight showing God, why for two dollars because we because we were freshman college and we had we had some money in cab fare and we're like let's go to see seven for two bucks at midnight. I think I saw it on video and I just was like I'm mm. really glad I didn't see that on a big screen. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember sitting there and we were all like, we hit the end of that movie. We we're like jaws dropped like nobody was saying anything like oh my god I can't believe he actually did that mm. but there were a lot of movies released and we're going to talk about a few of them so you go through January February March and this is like back when even now movies released in January and February aren't usually the most <laughs> popular I think um you get into March you do get a decent spring movie every once in a while like last year we got uh we did get Black Panther in February we got um Captain Marvel this year in March but you know, it's kind of a dead time. So you have stuff like 
Well, higher learning, I think, is an underrated movie. I liked higher learning. Yeah. I liked it. I saw that in the theater. Yeah. I think I'm one of the few people who saw Highlander, the final dimension in the theater. Yeah, I did. I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's I know the third, the, I know the the third Highlander movie. I, I know the concept. You've got to cut their head off and then yeah. Queen sings. But it's other than that, I don't it's know. It's slightly better than Highlander 2. Okay. It's okay. one of those sequels there. They basically redo the first movie. Like, the, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, let's just do the first movie over again. Okay. Um, before Sunrise... Oh, God. Which I saw on video in college, and I've seen it a couple of times, and every time I see it, I think, I'm like, I have to go, and I think I might like it this time, no, and I'm just you're like, never no, gonna like it. I, I've like, never liked this movie. And I have friends who listen to this show, Sorry Rock, who love this movie, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I never, I even watched Before Sunset, because I was like, maybe I'll like no. this one. All right, I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today and we're looking for something fun to do. Is pregnancy English? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, we speak German for a change. Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay? Okay. Dring, dring. Pick up the phone. Uh, oh, hello. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for lunch today. I'm sorry. I met a guy on the train, and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy? Probably. He has beautiful blue eyes, nice pink lips, frizzy hair. <laughs> I love it. I like to feel his eyes on me when I look away. I couldn't possibly know why a night like this is so important to my life right now. But it is. Since we're never going to see each other again, I don't think we should sleep together. Let's see each other again. I don't want you to break our vow. Just so you can get laid. <laughs> Men are lucky we don't bite off their head after mating. Certain insects do that, you know, like spiders and stuff. Mm -hmm. We at least let you live. I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. I don't know if it's even a hawk or what. Well, that's part of it. But also, like, you know how everybody's really in the, is it ASMR? AMSR? Yeah, no, it's ASMR. Automated, uh, automated sensory something. Um, mm -hmm. Response. Anyway, yeah. I know I'm screwing it up, and that's how you can tell I hate it. Because, like, I just have, I almost have, like, the opposite, like, where... I get really overstimulated or I feel really like I don't like hearing people whisper. Mm -hmm. I don't like people touching me. So you can tell this marriage is really strong. I just like, I don't like any of it. And so like that Zoe Kravitz fucking Michelob or whatever commercial <laughs> where she's whispering, I want to claw my ears off. And I, I think the thing about all of those movies, all those Linklater movies where it, they're just talking and they're just talking and talking and talking and they never take a breath and they just keep talking and their voices don't modulate and I get to a point where I just want to like punch myself in the face so I feel something other than what I'm feeling while I listen to them talk. Well, like I, I have like the opposite of whatever that is, ASMR, AMS, whatever it is, I, I have the opposite. It's like it makes me... It just makes me so restless. I don't want to hear it. And so I just, I don't even think I've ever gotten through the entire movie. I have, but it was just like, there are parts that 
there are parts where you where where especially with the second one, the second one takes place in Paris, so there are parts where I can kind of tune it out and focus on the French things. But like, <laughs> but you, you like so it's beautifully shot. It is lovely. And there there are there are. If I some, could watch it on mute, it'd it, probably be great. It has its merits, but yeah, it was just one of those things where I was like. I like you know I it's just like I was like I don't really I, I should be liking this because especially at the time it was it was in my lane and I was like I should be liking this yeah I you like love this. talking I, I feel kind of dumb for not liking it you know so I just so I just kind of wrote it off and 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 wouldn't watch other things and I thought so I also thought Julie Delpy was really Julie Delpy is really really pretty in that movie and it's just is she of, like really pretty she's like really pretty does she wear pink on Wednesdays or Tuesdays I don't know. <laughs> um but yeah I just it was not it was just and, and, and part of it wasn't even Hawk because he he's so freaking irritating in, in reality bites. he ruined reality bites like it's truly I know Ben Stiller's supposed to be like the goofball like goober that she's not supposed to be with but if she were smart she would have gone with Ben or choose or uh, don't she would have she would have done a Kelly Taylor. That done was a Kelly was, Taylor yeah. and chosen herself. Because I or love shit. Make out with Janine Garofalo. I don't I, care. I love Janine Garofalo in the movie. I love Steve Zahn in that movie. Yes. I, he's just so great. Um, and I loved um, and I had such a crush on Winona Ryder in that movie as well. Yeah. So, um, and I do love the fight they have over the where she's been. She's like, you are in the bell jar there. <laughs> you are um, in the bell jar. So you get into February. Um, I will admit right here and now that I went with a bunch of friends to see the Jerky Boys movie in the theater, and we actually paid money to see the Jerky Boys movie in the theater, and it was it just, it it's probably top ten in one of my cinematic regrets. Well, I paid money to see Billy Madison and the Brady Bunch movie <laughs> multiple times in the theater. Billy Madison is still a movie that when it comes on cable, we will watch it. I will watch it, it and I can quote it. it. Yeah. I can recite the entire movie and whatever you want to say that says about me, go ahead. Come at me. But like, it, has the, it has the whole bit about, um, you know, everyone in this room is stupid for having... And for having you heard you speak. Yeah, no point to make God have mercy on your soul. Mr. Madison... What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but... Uh... It's, it's kind of a... That and Happy Gilmore kind of like seminal comedies for the 90s. Well, and... Happy what, Gilmore, I think, was 96, but... And, and what I appreciated at the time, now I think Adam Sandler's annoying as shit, but, like, I like that it made no sense. Yes. Like, it just... The, the penguin and the principal wearing, like, a Lucha Libre outfit. Yeah. But actually, the reason why I went to see it is because, again, whatever this says about me, go ahead and judge... I had a huge crush on Norm Macdonald, and I knew he was in the movie. That's the only reason I went to say it. What I love about Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore as well is it reminds me of like the sillier movies that I used to watch over the all the time, like Blazing Saddles and Young Frank, like Mel Brooks movies, and then like Airplane and well, stuff and like that. Well, it's very much like the Savage Steve. What's his name? Yeah, Savage Steve Holland. Like, you know, yeah. like Better Off Dead. Yeah, Better Off. It's very just, like in the vein of Better Off yeah. Dead. And it, but it, it's like it's a low comedy, and it's like silly, and it's meant to be silly and absurd. It's not sort of like you know that sort of really weird 
high comedy that like you know everybody kind of like snickers at and you're like this isn't really actually funny yeah but um and then we get into march um oh one of my favorite movies muriel's wedding came out and i had to put u.s release next to this because it had been out in australia prior to that yeah. but but um that's a movie i saw i don't think i saw it until i sat down to watch it with you it's the best what you have to do you have to watch priscilla queen of the desert which is also directed by the same director and then you have to watch Muriel's wedding and then you have to watch my best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts because he he did all of them and so you're going to get ABBA you're going to get more ABBA and then you're going to get like Burt Bacharach because by the time you hit that he actually had listened to General Zod I've said it before and I'll say it again no more fucking ABBA (laughs) it's always a good time for ABBA our child loves ABBA I've, my work is done. If I do nothing else as a parent. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, that's a fun, that's another fun movie. And it's just like the, the idea now that we try to compartmentalize audiences. I know people were doing this back in the 90s, but like, I guess with the internet exacerbates like all the takes on compartmentalizing audiences into movies for this. I'm and so over hot so take many, culture, which yeah. you think I would love because I'm very blunt and have a lot of opinions. But, like, but I just get, like, when you, like, when, like the whole thing with, recently with the Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, kind of blocking the preview ratings or whatever. I'm so sick of, like, people bitching. Yeah. It's a movie. And unless it's, like, hideous and awful, like, if you're not happy that Captain Marvel's suit isn't what it should look, shut up. Yeah. Nobody cares. Well, oh my God! Muriel's Mirror Back to Muriel's Wedding. It had this like crossover appeal because there were a lot of people. A lot of people did see it, and it got it was kind of a cult hit in the theater. But then it got like really big on video. And there's there were a lot of movies in the nineties that did that. Well, and we were on this kick among my friends to like see like I mean to see a bunch of like rent a bunch of independent movies. Like mm-hmm. we saw the Wedding Banquet, and we saw you know a bunch of like kind of Miramax. We saw the Brothers McMullen on DVD, yeah. like or I guess video. video. My kid yeah, wasn't was DVD yet. Yeah. My dad had a DVD player, but nobody else did. We'd go to the video store, mm-hmm. and there was like this little tiny independent movie section. Huh. Rent. And that's what. That's how I saw. Clerks and Mallrats. I saw Clerks because the guy at the video store had recommended it to me because I kept picking it up at the store and like I when I read something else I finally picked it up I was like is this and I was like I said I brought this I said I keep seeing this I keep seeing this he's like have you ever worked in a place like this or whatever I said no but I have friends he's like rent this you will and my sister and I sat down and watched it laughed our asses off through the whole thing yeah the, I, mean, I rented a few but I didn't realize they were like big indie movies until like years a while later when they were talking about like you know, what an indie movie was this was just shit that I picked up at the shelf of the video store because I had already seen everything else so I'm looking at other movies from March I think I paid money to see Hideaway in the theater. I don't know what that is. It was some weird movie with Jeff Goldblum and Jeremy Sisto. And Sisto played a serial killer. And Goldblum played like a psychologist. There were some supernatural elements. And Alicia Silverstone was in it as well. I just, it was... Pre-Clueless? Pre-Clueless. Wow. Yeah, and I recognized her because of the Aerosmith videos. Tommy Boy. <laughs> Another great, great comedy. Did you eat a lot of paint chips as a kid? A lot. It's got to be your bowl. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I st- I, to be honest, though, I still don't like it as much as I like Watching. Billy Madison oh. and um, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Or The Wedding Singer. I do like the scene where they're driving the car and they're trying to sing um, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and then they can't. But don't they also sing Superstar? They, they end up the singing Superstar for the Carpenters. 
good tune, man. I don't think so. Yeah, here we go. This song sucks. Talk about lame. <laughs> totally. You can change it if you want. I don't care. It's up to you. I can live with it if you can. Suit yourself. And then they hit a deer, yes. which you get into April, you have Bad Boys, nah. which I rented. That's a, I think that's a Michael Bay film. It is. All right. Uh, Don Juan DeMarco, which is one of those weird Johnny Depp movies that... Um, the only... Th we were talking about this thing. The yeah. only thing you really remember from that movie is the Brian Adams song. song. Because that was yeah. like... I remember there was one guy, I can't remember who, it, we were sitting in class and he was like, why does every girl love this song? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't. Um... Rob Roy, Jury Duty, which was, I think, was the last Pauly Shore movie that we ever had to really sit through, or or they tried to make us sit through. I, I didn't realize that's what that was. It's a Pauly Shore movie, yeah. While um, You Were Sleeping was great. I saw that in the theater because like, I, I took a, I, I went on a date to that. Basketball Diaries is really, really good. I never saw it. While You Were Sleeping was, I think, the the, the movie that... Um, <gasps> Friday. Yeah. Why You Were that was that was like... Sandra Bullock's like first like big romantic comedy from yeah. what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you count Love Potion number nine, but I don't think you do. But that was so, that was cute too. Yeah. I've seen that too. And then you have Friday. Friday is the best. A movie, a movie. My friends and I, Bye, Felicia, would see the previews for on whatever was whatever movie that we had watched. There was a long preview for Friday on it, and we were like. We've got to track down this movie because it was on video at that point. We mm. rented it, and then I think one one of my roommates actually bought it, and we watched that quite a bit too. Oh it God. was so funny. I've seen it more times than I can count. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I said Braveheart won um, Oscar. Won the Oscar. Did you see Mad Love with um, with Drew Barrymore and Chris uh, O'Donnell? No, but I probably should have. I loved Chris O'Donnell back then. Uh, so did Kathy. Everybody um, did. <laughs> you saw Circle of Friends. Yeah, you loved. Chris so you get into you get into June. You have Batman Forever, which is a movie that I was really hyped up to see because of the fact that it was the third Batman movie, and I remember being really disappointed in the theater. I've was that the first time they did nipples on the suit? That was Batman and Robin. Oh my bad. Batman with Forever, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, Batman Forever. Chris O'Donnell was in Batman Forever. It was Jim Carrey as the Riddler and yeah. um, Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman, yeah, Mister Freeze. Yeah, no, that was that was that Robin. was Batman um, Robin. No, wait, oh, so Poison Ivy was also then Batman and Robin. Yeah, I think it was Two-Face. Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face, mm. which was not done very well. It It's better than I remember because I've watched it in recent years, but it's but it's not. You know what just needs to be put to rest? Hmm. Batman. Yeah, I don't think we need another Batman movie Like, for Christopher Nolan did the Batman movies. Mm -hmm. I Well, I really only watched, like, one of them, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's it. We don't need any more Batman yeah, and we'll get into the soundtrack in our music segment. Um, <laughs> Apollo 13. Okay. Um, we I never actually saw the Stallone Judge Dread or Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but we get into July, and I saw Species. <laughs> I saw what? Natasha Hedges walk around naked. Lots of, lots of guys did. Nine Months is a very, very funny movie. The biggest movie for that 
month, believe it or not, was Waterworld because people were watching to see if this movie would make so any bad. money. It actually made money, but it, the it had been such a nightmare of yeah, a budget. It didn't make, it, back, yeah, its it didn't make yeah. its, back its money. I'm looking at four movies on this July list. One is The Net, starring the girl from the bus, as mm-hmm. Frank Costanza said. And, and the only reason I picture that is because a friend of mine, Jeremy, who was really into computers, like, really, really wanted to see that movie. And that was, the computers were, like, the least focused yeah, part of the yeah. movie. It was, it was a de- it's, it's a decent movie. And it probably okay. didn't work out. But we have kids. I've never seen. I've heard it's a hard, But I've heard it's, like, a really hard movie to watch. Well, then I don't watch it. I don't it. want to watch it, but I just... You know I stick to Puppy Dogs yeah. and Ice Cream now. But now you have two movies that um, that I know you love. And one of them, we'll, we'll start with Party Girl, which they, they both came out on the same day. Party I Girl and Clueless came out on the same day. So Party Girl yes. is Parker Posey, from, who I remember from Days to Confusion. Yes. I've seen that. I sat down and watched that with you back when we were... It's one in. of those indie movies we decided to rent. And I I love that movie. It's it's just cute. It's fun. She's great. I mean, she's like peak Parker Posey in mm-hmm. that movie. Life goes by so fast. What's the point? What do you want me to do, huh? I don't have a job. I'm a loser. Shoot me. Excuse me, can I get a falafel with hot sauce, a side order of baba ganoush, and a seltzer, please? You want Lebanese delight? Sure, bring it out. Your mother was a woman with no common sense. Would you hurry up? Hello, Chanel. Of course, your father was a man without a conscience. You think I couldn't be a library clerk? Fine. You can start right now. I assume you're familiar with the Dewey Decimal System? I don't know the first thing about you. Your life, your friends. They're normal people, just like your friends. Hey, hey, hello. Hello. Natasha! Leo, I'm going to be 24 soon. I haven't done anything. Yo, what happened here? They're organized by the Dewey Decimal System. Yo, there are over a thousand albums here. They were a mess. What are you, my mother? Don't mix those up. Mary, they're jeans. Vogue magazine calls Parker Posey wickedly funny. She's got a personality like a neon exclamation point. You won't believe what I did last night. It was possibly the wildest night of my existence. I'm happy to see you're practicing safe sex. First Look Pictures proudly presents... Sometimes you can be kind of goofy. Parker Posey. She's good. You've outdone yourself. So silly. The party is just beginning. Party girl. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know, in my mind, I'm going to say this and I'm sure lots of people will be like, no, but tough shit. I'm talking. It's, um, it reminds me of like an American Amelie. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very colorful. It's kind of quirky, but like, she's this like, she truly is like this party girl. She's like at these parties every night, but like what she really wants to be is like a librarian. It's just really cute. I love it. And there's like, I don't know. It just, it reminds me a lot of like, you know, nights hanging out with my friends, watching movies and just, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out. So, um, and you know, we, me and my friend Chris also did, like we did our fair share of clubbing uh-huh. when we both turned 18. And so it was just, it was very much like that culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I loved it. It also had, I remember watching, I've only seen it once and I watched it with you and I remember it had this sort of aesthetic of like, 
an indie movie, but at the same time, it still knew where to place pop music. It knew where to... Yeah, like it actually it, had people who knew how to edit a movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't feel long and drawn out. It, it had beats. It had it, it popped in a lot of places, and, and I think that's why it was like, you know... Yeah. Unlike some other movies, like um, some other movies of that era where it was kind of like kicking and screaming in some of these other movies, which I tried to watch, I was just like, that's not as good as I think yeah. everybody says it is. But then you have the same, the exact same day, according to Wikipedia, Ooh. was Clueless. So okay. that same weekend. So, okay. Like right now, for example, the Hadians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right, people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and, like, people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like, the more, the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school. Mr. Hall was way harsh. He gave me a C minus. <laughs> well, he gave me a C, which drags down my entire average. Hello? There was a stop sign. I totally paused. You tried driving in platforms. Oh, should I write them a note? <gasps> Ew, get off of me. Ah, as if. Cher's got attitude about high school boys. It's a personal choice every woman has got to make for themselves. Cher's saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet. Nice stems. Thanks. What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. What are you doing? Yo, you're getting on the freeway! Get on this thing! You go, girl. Are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. I'm gonna be a supermodel. I did see that multiple times in the theater. Clueless, um, Clueless grossed 56.6 million domestically. It was number 32 for the year, which for a movie like that is really, really good. Because by then, I was trying to think of prior to Clueless and after... Well, Heather's was act Heather's was technically a box office bomb. It really yes. made its money in, in, in video, video and yep. say anything. But say anything and Heather's came out around the same time, um, and that was eighty nine. And then between eighty nine and Clueless in ninety five, you've got a few movies that people still watch, but. The teen movie genre was kind of dead. So you have Pump Up the Volume, which I think a lot of people from our generation, I still love that movie so much. I, I just love Christian Slater. And I think the only reason I watched it. And I think Dazed and Confused is the other movie you can go to from a teen movie yeah. from the 90s. But other than that, I mean like... You and know, a Reality Bites. Yeah, Reality I saw Reality Bites, bites in yeah. high school. Like movies about kids in high school. Though, yeah, so kids in high school. Well, they weren't. And, you know, they so were singles. Yeah. But, but 
They oh, yeah, seem to fuse to pump up the volume, where like the two, and then there might have been a couple other ones, but they did never really made as much of a cultural impact. But the Clueless comes out, and after Clueless, you really do get it. It really helps jumpstart what was this renaissance of teen movies in the late nineties, because uh, the next year Scream comes out, mm-hmm. and then you have um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Can't Hardly Wait, and Ten Things I Hate About You, and American Pie, and all the other movies that that comes out but clueless directed by amy heckerling who um whose most famous movie prior to that was fast times of Ridgemont high back in 82 83 yeah but i looked at her i looked her up because i'm like she had to have done something between that because that's a 13 year gap and mm-hmm. she did she directed european vacation yeah a number of tv episodes she was the second woman director to earn a hundred million dollar movie mm-hmm. the first was penny marshall with big she directed the lady heckling directed luke who's talking and that mm-hmm. made a hundred million dollars so like i was like wow and the, the, what frustrates me and and this is something that i heard um on an episode what was i reading oh no, i was i, I was reading uh, an interview with penelope spheris mm-hmm. in, the, in the av club recently yep. and how um, she was talking about director jail and how the pressure for women directors are is way more on men. If you have a movie that does not do well, you almost get automatically sent to yeah. director jail. Yeah. And I think that happened with um, with Amy Heckerling with uh, with Loser, the one that she would direct in two thousand one. But Jason to be Jason. honest, that was a terrible. It's movie. not a very good movie. It's but, awful. But I mean, just but like she directed one bad movie, and all of a sudden she's worked but she's done a ton of television since yeah. she's, she's she's been lucky to find she's been not lucky but she's been able to find um a lot of work as the director but there hasn't been like the next big well, Amy Heckerling now there's isn't Clueless a musical now yeah it was a tv show for a while I think there's a musical because as well. Chris does my friend from high school well he's been a publicist pretty much ever since we graduated yeah. high school and so he does publicity for the Williamsburg Hotel mm-hmm. and for Dove Cameron mm-hmm. and so it was her birthday and they had it at the Williamsburg Hotel, and that's where he finally met Amy Heckerling. Oh wow! And he that's like, yeah, cool. he tagged me in a couple of photos. He was like, I had to tell her how obsessed you and I were with that movie, and how we watched it all the time. And I was like, oh my god, so you totally embarrassed yourself in front of Amy Heckerling about like two high school fangirls. But um, so yeah, like uh, yeah, so she's definitely done work, and I think she consulted on the musical. Mm-hmm. So and. I I I love this movie as well. Although I came late to this movie, I well, didn't let me see check it for, my facts. Keep talking. I'm I, gonna check myself. I didn't come. I, I didn't see it for a couple of years. Maybe like '97 or '98. I do remember having to watch it for a class because Clueless, if, if anybody's familiar with the film, is a teen movie adaptation of the Jane Austen novel Emma. And Emma had come out with Gwyneth with Paltrow, Paltrow like, right around the same about time, a year right? before yeah. whatever. And um, so I watched. I remember watching that for a class in my senior year of college, and then. Um, and we were doing comparisons because the whole class was about it was called fiction and film, so it was about adaptation. But but the, the movie I'm looking at, the, I, I wrote down the main cast of the movie. So we have Alicia Silverstone, who this really was like this put her up on a totally other yeah. level because she laid that Rolling Stone cover that mm-hmm. recreated the picture of um, can't remember who it was, but she's in the pink cowboy hat or she's uh, okay, in that yeah, cowboy yeah. hat blowing the bubble. Yeah, um, Paul Rudd, <gasps> who. He does not age. Who does not age. I love him so um, much. Brittany, the late Brittany Murphy, who That's played Ty, um, yeah. who has one of the best lines in the entire movie. I was like, why am I even listening to you to begin with? You're a virgin who can't drive. Oh, 
That was way harsh, Ty. <laughs> uh, Brecken Meyer, who played uh, Travis Birkenstock yes. <laughs> the, the, with the Marvin the Martian uh, drugs, the uh, the trash human being that is Stacy Dash. Uh, oh God. Donald Faison, who would go on to play Turk in Scrubs. Um, uh, Eliza Donovan, who or Lisa Donovan, who I think has been in other things, but uh, Jeremy Sisto, who I mentioned, who just pops up. The immortal Dan Hedaya, yes, who has played, who's most famous for playing Nick Tortelli on Cheers, but also if you need a South American dictator and want to be South American dictator in a Schwarzenegger movie, you go to Dan Hedaya for some reason. Mm -hmm. Dan Hedaya also has one of the best lines in the movie. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. Bye, Daddy. And then um, Wallace Shawn, who, uh, who, I mean I and a lot of people know as Vizzini from The Princess Bride, plays her history teacher, I believe, right? So yes. history teacher? Some, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Um, you saw, so you, you saw this in the theater. I saw it in the theater multiple times, and then I got it on video for my birthday. The year, the year after. So, like, this movie has become kind of, I mean, it, it did really well. So it's 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 a little bit of a level above a cult hit. Yes. Because, like, I think cult teenage movie, I think Heather's, because yeah. Heather's did not do very well. But it it's it was, like, really, I don't know if it was, I didn't, I knew nothing from fashion and trends and popular no. things in 1995. Yeah, I know, you it's shocking. Lie. But I don't know if it was reflecting the culture of the time or if it influenced, but I know that I know that at least a, a year ago or so in Target, somebody posted a picture. I almost dropped dead when I walked into Target and like the yellow and black plaid outfit that it wasn't exactly what she wore in that scene, but it looked so much like it that I was like, I can buy this and be her for Halloween. Well, I mean, like if Cher Horowitz let herself go, but yeah. like it was astounding. And that's when you knew the 90s were back because then like, I remember a couple months later, there were all these, like, prairie dresses and, like, these mm -hmm. tiny floral Laura Ashley prints. And I seriously, like, you've never felt so old. <laughs> I mean, like, my daughter might as well have worn my disco dress to a high school event. <laughs> level of feeling old. Bullshit. Like, I was like, oh, my God. The only good thing that's been great is, A, the return of matte lipstick. B, the return of Blood Red Nail Polish, and I think Chanel actually re-released the color Vamp. Mm. If there has never been a more 90s color. Like, you could not get this nail polish. I did, but most people could not. <laughs> I mean, like, and so there are some things about the 90s that I am very excited have returned, but, like, when I walk through Target and, like, it's clueless plaid crop top mini skirt. Crop tops are back, which I do not approve of. I don't uh, want to look at your belly button. Well, I know you don't want to look at mine. And, like, the, the thing that I'm kind of bracing myself for, although I'm happy that I'm, I'm such a crone that it's not like I have to rewear it, but, like, when the early aughts come back and, like, those fucking lowrider jeans oh, that you can't keep up because they're too big in the waist. Yeah. Oh my god! Or like, I'm really dreading when early odds. So you're gonna see the return of so many muffin tops. Or you know, like the poor, desperate kind of girls who, like, you know, you have to cinch your belt so hard yeah. to give yourself a muffin top. Yeah. You can't get your goddamn pants on. Yeah. Um, so like, but the clothes itself, like, it just, I, I just remember it, it when I look at it, and I look at it in 1995. I think is a really, really important year in this regard because it kind of carries over from what's happening in 84. It really is the, it really is truly this demarcation line of where, I mean, granted, it is literally the middle of the 1990s, but at the same time, like you think of what the late 90s looked like, 
and you like the color palette and the fashion and you look at what the early 90s looked like if, if we're thinking of even even beyond grunge if you think of the color like if you watch an early 90s rap video or something you look at the styles you look at like the tones and things Clueless is this weird sort of like literal transition between the two. It almost like marks that like, okay, now we're ready for like what would come later. Um, and I don't know if it influenced that in some way or another or what, but it is, and it's almost, but it's, and what I like about the movie too, it's not trying to be anything aside from just a good movie about teenagers that show teenagers. Yeah. You know, it's not trying to make fetch happen, <laughs> to, to borrow a phrase from another movie. Oh, when you look at the color palette of Mean Girls. Yeah. It is very much like Clueless. Mm -hmm. It is very much like a, a, an evolution of that, where you have that kind of, you know, I felt I feel like Clueless had a heart to it that like mm -hmm. maybe Mean Girls didn't, or, or you know, it was just a little more biting, which I think everybody was ready for. Just like everybody's ready for Scream to be like kind of winky, kind of horror yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. What I really liked about Clueless, well, a you asked it whether it was a reflection of or an inspiration for fashion. I think it was both. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I remember like going to see it in the theater and like I had my little baby backpack mm. I had one and they had one in the movie so it was like which came first chicken egg like, yeah. or whatever but like I remember um and again it was if you look at the way they're dressed it I mean it's it's like well it's supposed to be kind of hyper like colorful super saturated because yeah, yeah, when you yeah. look at Paul Rudd yeah like he's like he looks like early 90s yeah because he's a little older and she's very candy colored um, and everybody is, and I guess, so now I'm about to ramble about fashion, so sorry, fast forward through this if you hate it. Um, I just looked up when Snoop's first appearance was on SNL, because that was the, and it was 94. I believe it was like the spring of 94. That was when Tommy Hilfiger blew up because he was wearing the giant rugby shirt with mm, Tommy written top, across yeah. it. And so when you think about like Tommy Hilfiger, or even before that, like in 92, 93, cross colors... Mm -hmm. which was like circus colors, super bright, super saturated, and, you know, very much grounded in, you know, the African-American community. Yeah. It started out using the colors of Africa, yeah. like the, the red, yellow, yeah, yeah, green, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, very Afrocentric. And then, it, of course, again, sorry, sorry, people of color, it got appropriated by white people. And mm -hmm. then you have this white middle-aged designer kind of taking that, like the color blocking and the prep, and, you know, the mm -hmm. red, white, and blue instead of the red, yellow, green, and, you know, whatever. So you kind of have this evolution fashion-wise where things are getting, you know, they're getting brighter. They're becoming more of a statement. It's not so much. I mean, I, I think you're right. People are kind of, because we're starting to come out of that recession yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, the, the economy is starting to get better. And I really do think, you know, there's, um, there's a consumer index called the Lipstick Index. Mm -hmm. And basically, when you look at consumer trends, if you see, like, the purchase of lipstick going up, it it reflects kind of where we are economy-wise. Because huh. when lipstick pur purchases go up, it means that either the economy... You know what? I'm going to have to fact-check this. But it's something where when you're buying more lipstick, it's because you can't afford to buy bigger ticket items. Huh. So you're still trying to treat yourself. You're still trying to have a little bit of luxury, but you're spending it on like lipstick instead of Manolo's. Mm. So there's so everybody go look up the lipstick index. Yeah. Just again proving that women's economic power has always been something that should be looked at instead of made well, fun of. 
But so anyway, so we get back to Clueless. Mm -hmm. And when you looked at the trends, I mean, like one of the things that was really popular for teens was like hard candy nail polish. And it came in the reason why everybody let it came in these pastel colors. So it mm -hmm. came in like baby blue. If you had the baby blue hard candy nail polish. So, th so this had been kind of evolving. And then you're looking at the shoes they're wearing and the shoes I had, we were wearing Mary Jane's. We're wearing like adult versions of children's shoes. And they're wearing like the knee socks, like so. It was this play on like again that in between time, not only of you being like on the cusp of like adulthood, but there's still that again fashion wise, there was almost like this kickback to like wearing things that like little kids would wear, mm. but you're wearing them in like a, a different way. And so I think I just I, I really like the movie because it it's very much of its time. Like I mean, there are things that are timeless about it because it's based on a timeless story yeah but i think what amy heckerling did really really well is it kind of took your teenage experience and like things that like every teenager goes through and it put it in this world that actually you know you didn't feel so bad about being a teenager like mm. it's you know it was fun and it was bright it you know the friendships all worked out it had yeah. a sense of humor it had a heart to it it had paul rudd which is always a bonus but yeah, I think um, I, I I think it was kind of a reflection and an inspiration. Yeah, and it didn't have like because I I what's interesting because the other the other movie that she did before that she did in Fast Times and Fast Times has Fast Times of course has Spicoli and it has some really funny silly storylines but it also has some very very serious things in that book. Yeah, it, it, because it comes from Cameron Crowe's book. And if you look at the way Clueless is shot versus the way Fast Times and Richmond High is shot, Fast Times, they have similar elements to them, the mall and, and mm -hmm. the, like all these things. But Fast Times, it's almost shot in this sort of verite level. Like, it really looks like these people live, like, they don't, like, Clueless, she's, she's wealthy. Yeah. You know, her, her dad is a lawyer. Um, he's a big time lawyer. Yeah. You know, and, and so she's, um, so we're not talking like, you know, you or me. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> my parents you have, are wealthy, but you have you. But but it was also. Her. But my Collins didn't date all the way back to 1972. But Cher, but Cher is almost the same. Comes from the the same lineage of some of the kids in the John Hughes movies, like Ferris Bueller, who lived in you know a really really nice. Or Molly Ringwald. Or Molly But like it, in Ridgemont, it's um, the the houses that they're living they're they're totally like not run down, but. They're so middle class. It's a very middle class situation. It looks like the type of place. It's that, a lot like the houses in Stranger Things. Yeah, it's just very like much like that. So it's just interesting to see, and it's interesting for her to take this other novel and adapt it, and almost create almost like a fantasy world, but enough to see yourself in it, and not at have you know. So it's the it's not completely aspirational, but it's it's there, and I think I think you're right. That lends it to its timelessness because you can watch this now, and the movie's almost twenty five years old, but at the same time, it's like it's just it. It hits the notes too, and she also does the other thing that 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 they had done in other movies, and Heather's is a great example of this, where they didn't pull too much from the contemporary teenage culture, like slang and everything. You know, phrases like "as if" and stuff like that were like yeah. written for the movie yeah. in the same way that like what your what's your damage, Heather, and some of the yeah, other yeah. like it'll be very that 
contributes to his timelessness because it doesn't it doesn't make it dated right in in a big way. I mean, there are I'm, I'm sure we could go through this entire movie and pick out the things that might. Well, nobody's walking around making a W with their fingers going whatever. Yeah. And like you know, yeah. the character of Amber was very over the top. Her clothes were very mm-hmm. over the top, and you you had a lot of different styles. Yeah. You know, Travis was crunchy granola pothead yeah. and. Paul Rudd was woke college dude, and Cher was like living in her own bubble, you know, coordinating outfits with her bestie, yeah. and you know, Ty came from New York or whatever, and she was kind mm-hmm. of rough looking. I don't know. I thought she looked cute either way, but like you know, and Elton was very preppy, and so I will tell you though, in terms of inspiring, we did. There was one girl, first day of senior year, I wore like a Gap dress that. Um, had, it was black and it buttoned, it snapped up the front. How the hell did I pull that off without accidentally flashing everybody? I have no idea. But it snapped up the front mm-hmm. and I wore lug sold Mary Janes. I was very, like, in my baby backpack. Well, one of my friends legit, like, took on Cher Horowitz and she had on, like, her little pleated, it wasn't yellow and black, but, like, a pleated black skirt. Mm-hmm. And she had the thigh high sock, the mm-hmm. over the knee socks. And she got sent home. Because, because of her her socks were provocative. <laughs> And she well, and it's like a dirty schoolgirl look. Yeah, thing it, it was very Britney Spears. Yeah, I mean, so again, there's that callback. You know, in 1999, you get "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time," and she's dancing around in her private school outfit with her over the knee socks. Yeah, nobody was doing that before Clueless. Yeah. So, I, so it's just I think when I look at all these movies from 1995, and we'll just run through a couple um, as we go to later. I, there aren't as many that I think have the cultural influence or the staying power of clueless you know i mean i'm looking at you know again braveheart braveheart still kind of resonates i guess with with some people but it's fucking hate milk yeah just um i'm looking at like what i find the thing that i find interesting was like i'm looking at virtuosity and the net and the hackers and i'm thinking of like all these computer movies that came out they were all like duds like virtuosity is this is really shitty virtual reality is that the one with russell crowe and and denzel washington yeah 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 and this is why when I was in college in 99 and I saw the commercial for The Matrix, I was like, this is going to be stupid because I thought of movies well, like that. because I had Keanu Reeves in it. I'm, Nobody, you Keanu really Reeves and I've been suckered by virtual reality movies before. Yeah. So I was like, and then I, the, the, the Matrix, you know, kind of blew me away. Um, but the but Dangerous Minds gave us the number one song. Yes, Dangerous of Minds. Yeah, Dangerous Minds gave us Yankster's Paradise, which will and, and Amish yeah. Paradise eventually. Yes, <laughs> more God, Mortal Kombat. Um, I went and saw yeah. that in the theater. Sorry, no, I, I love that video game. I have seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I have never seen Too Long Fu. Too Long Fu is actually really cute, oh, but it's so funny because I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. That's okay. But again, that movie wouldn't have happened without mm-hmm. an indie movie. Yeah. Priscilla Queen of the Desert. It would have never happened. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I, it was really cute. But again, I want to go back to August because Unzipped, which is one of my that's favorite right, documentaries, that's right. I just over that. Yes. Is, is, it came out in August. And I just need to say, if you have not seen Unzipped, you must. And it's fantastic. It's, you know, about Isaac Mizrahi putting on like one of his most famous shows. And he's just... A New York fashion. Yes. Right. And just trying to go through the motions of you know, putting a show together, like his original inspiration apparently was co-opted. I think it was Gautier that did, mm-hmm. like Jean-Paul Gautier ended up doing like an in of the North kind of like, yeah. you know, Eskimo kind of theme. And so he had to completely rework his line. And yeah. there's, you see all of like the, the actual supermodels are in the show. And it's like, if I think about two designers that like really 
encompass the 90s for me, it's Todd Oldham, who sadly does not design clothes anymore, and Isaac Mizrahi. Hmm. I mean, you could also argue, like, Calvin Klein, because of the ubiquitousness of his marketing, right? Like, or a Tommy Hilfiger. I mean, I'm thinking about that, too. Like, you know, Tommy Hilfiger. But if I think about, like, high fashion couture, I think of Todd Oldham. If you ever want to see a fantastic, just, like amazing show out of the 90s you have to look at Todd Oldham's interiors mm-hmm. fashion show because it's basically you understand why he then went into like interior design yeah. I think that was probably always his passion but it's a fashion show there is a dress that looks like a gilded mirror I if you put that dress in front of me right now I would and I had the money I would buy it it wouldn't fit I wouldn't care I just that was a great show and so anyway if you haven't seen it, but it's stuff like go that that it. makes when you go to a museum. And we went to the Yves Saint Laurent thing at the VMFA a couple of years ago, and then last uh, November we were in Quebec, and they had that exhibit on London, and they had like that one McQueen yeah. dress and stuff. That's what makes seeing these pieces in museums like fascinating. Well, we saw the the um, um, Elizabeth, what's her name's Versace yes, at the Met. Yes, yes, so. the Met. Um, Elizabeth Hurley. Hurley, the, um, the the safety pin dress. Unzipped always makes me think of it. Makes me think of it's like it's like a relative of Truth or Dare. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a similar and there is and a, that's what nineteen ninety yeah. right eighty nine ninety ninety one. Let me yeah. keep talking. I'll um, look it's it up. blonde ambition, so it's it's like right around the very very. And Gautier did all of yeah, her costumes. Gautier did all her costumes, and then um, I don't think without Unzipped you don't have Project Runway. I mean, maybe you do, but it, there's so much of the I see so much of that in the that DNA in Project Runway, which we've watched. 1991, Okay, every season of. Uh, going down and listening to September, you have a movie that we have watched multiple yes. times in both versions. It, this is the definition of a teen cult hit, and that's Empire Records. I will, that's another movie, if it's on cable, I will sit and I will watch it until the end. Yes. I love that movie. And that also had a great soundtrack. Oh, it has a, I have that soundtrack. Um, Showgirls came out. That's a movie. I love watching Showgirls. I such have a, also seen Showgirls movie. multiple times. It's a Versace. Yes. Well, I guess Versace. I would say Versace is also very much a 90s brand, but he mm-hmm. really hit hard in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think Versace is more of an 80s designer. Yeah. Mall Rats comes out in October. I saw that opening night in the theater. Stuck around after that to go see uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show because they were doing midnight showings of that, and nice. I'd never seen it in the theater. Empire Records and Showgirls, not Showgirls, maybe Showgirls, but Mall Rats will definitely get their own episodes at some point. I did an episode of Clerks years ago. I love Mall Rats, and at the time, everybody hated that movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was better than Clerks. I Come th- at me. I, mean, I liked I liked Clerks better. I enjoyed Mall Rats, but Mall Rats, when I kept watching that video, got funnier and funnier and funnier well, and funnier. Because I, I don't think people got that it was supposed to be exactly the way it was. Yeah. They didn't understand that it was supposed to be like an 80s comedy teen yeah. movie. Yeah. Like they to they, the point where to the point where the end the what happened to them things they used the exact typeface from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, they did like, the whole bit. Yeah, people I just I don't think yeah. I, because I think Clerks was so different cine, like cinematography wise yeah. or like you know pacing I just think people got pissed because it wasn't like Clerks 2. What's the American President November was, I actually really do enjoy that movie. It is um, great. It's Rob Reiner. I think Aaron Sorkin wrote the screenplay, but it is a very cute it uh, is. movie. Toy Story, uh, we, we've mentioned. But I think Toy Story needs its due because that's like the first major Pixar film. I think it's the first Pixar film. That well, they had done some shorts, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I just remember 
how even though that was not my I was not the target audience for that movie, mm -hmm. just seeing like the commercials and stuff, just being so blown away by what the animation looked like. Yeah, I mean that's a huge visual leap for animation, the way it was done. So because yeah. earlier in the year, Pocahontas had come out, and that was Disney's big movie. I never saw Pocahontas, but that but oh, that it was, did get Colors of the Waves. But yeah, because we have um, because in '89 you have the you have the Little Mermaid and the and then Beauty and, uh, Beast. Beauty and Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas. I think Mulan was the next one. Well, and that's the thing. You had this great run of yeah. these movies that did so. I mean, The Lion King was huge yes and then you come out with Pocahontas and then Mulan is good I like Mulan but then you have like the <coughs> Hunchback of Notre Dame and then Hercules I and think, Hercules after that. the only thing I remember about Hunchback is that I worked at the PX at Quantico mm -hmm. in the part that sold toys so the summer that that came out it did so badly that we immediately had to like mark Broke all the toys down. down by like 90 mark down all the poochie crap <laughs> yeah exactly we had to mark down all because like who's gonna buy a stuffed Quasimodo the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, and this it was interesting how quickly Pixar over even Disney was distributing Pixar at the time. They didn't own them, but it's how quickly Pixar overtook Disney in terms of the cartoons that people wanted to see. Um, my favorite scene when I was when I first saw that movie was the the scene in the in the machine with the claw because of the aliens. Like you know, he's like, been Ooh, chosen. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of why probably why I like the minions as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Goldeneye. GoldenEye was the third Bond movie I had seen in the theater because I had seen both of the Dalton movies. And License to Kill is not a good movie. The Living Daylights is, I remember it being really good, and I just remember um, long, longer version of this for another time, but we had seen The Living Daylights, me and my friends, at Sable Theater, and then like immediately went to the video store and rented like all of the Connery ones. Because like we knew who James Bond was, we'd never seen a James Bond movie before. But I think I like I think next day we went out and rented Doctor No, and so like that got me like really liking James Bond. And then Pierce Brosnan, who was supposed to be James Bond years earlier, but contractual things with Remington Steele prevented. Remington Steele is such a fun show. Yeah, because he was supposed to he was supposed to be James Bond. NBC decided, well, we're going to do another season of Remington Steele. He couldn't do it. They got Dalton to play James Bond, so he does Goldeneye, and it. It was a big deal because he it's was finally going to be deal. Bond. He's amazing. The movie's amazing. Judy Dench makes her debut as M, and at one point in the very beginning of the movie, she just reads him for like you're this Cold War relic. It's just such, it's such a well written, and he's real. I mean, he, he is genuinely a, a very attractive man, but mm -hmm. he's just very. He has that Swab. suaveness that had been missing for a while, and it's just it's one of my favorite Bond movies. So that was, I remember being really excited for that and, and coming out of that not disappointed at all. But then you go into um, December and you have, I'm trying to look at the, uh, we had talked about the Grumpy Old Men. The other night we were talking about Grumpy Old Men and Grumpy Old Men, which are such great, fun, silly comedies. Because I think Sophia Loren is in Grumpy Old Men and they're fighting yes. over her. And I think Anne Margaret is also, because she's in the first one as well. Um, I only mention Cutthroat Island because it's. I think it's the movie that basically bankrupted Orion Studios or Coroco or whatever. It bankrupted a studio. I think it was what? either what movie was Cutthroat Island. Island. That yeah. was the Gina Davis Matthew Modine pirate movie that Rennie Harlan directed. Oh, God. it tanked so badly that it bankrupted its studio. And I want to say it was either Orion Pictures or Coroco Pictures. Um, Coroco only really famous because they made Terminator Two. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so and waiting to exhale. Waiting to exhale. That was the last one. That I was had a great mention. soundtrack and was a great movie, and everybody 
wants to be Angela Bassett setting that car on fire and walking away like a fierce bitch. Yeah. It's basically like yeah. my, my perpetual mood. <laughs> Set it all on fire. So you get it. You get a year that like um, the where the biggest movie of the year is is um, it's a it's a kids movie, which is kind of interesting because like you know nowadays it's 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 superheroes and and stuff which are are marketed toward a younger audience, but at the same time, um, when you would go through the the later part of the '90s, with the exception of Titanic, which was just ginormous in terms of its reach, you had like stuff like Armageddon. Was was one of the biggest movies? Twister, Independence Day, like it, we started having all these. Independence Day was so movies. fun, though. Yeah, he punches um, I, that alien in the face. I was thinking about that movie today, um, and then '99. We'll we'll get into a few uh, episodes, but you know, I had um, I had done years ago. I did an episode of, on the movies of 1999, and um, I think the biggest movie of that year. You have The Matrix and The Phantom Menace. You know, oh, for all the crap God. that the Phantom Menace gets, it made a ton of money. So, you know, I think that was the highest grossing movie. You dragged me to all three of the first three. Hey, you knew what you signed up for. I, yeah, <laughs> I actually didn't until I was sitting in the theater like, holy shit, this is my life now. So anyway, on that note, we're going to take another break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to get into what really I think we're going to have a lot to say about, um, which is music of 1995. Because you've got... Three pages of notes about it. It's, it's I have no choice but to say a lot about it. We'll be back. Professor Zoom Yukonori led an ongoing expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. <laughs> With unique celebrity guest perspectives to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Solomon Grundy don't understand. Entity Terraman. I'm not following either. Bizarro totally get it. I intend to. Participate in your podcast show of wonders. As if I wasn't nervous enough. Little Professor Man, mansplaining again. Accessing files. Experience the wonder, Bizarro. What in tarnation did you do? Adios, partner. He am Bizarro Terra Man. Goodbye. Of the Done in One Wonders podcast wonder show. Watch out, you square brain varmint. <laughs> Only on the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
Okay, and we're back again. <clears throat> this is our last segment in the episode. Um, we're going to talk about music in 1995, and we have it. We do have a very, very long list of singles and things, which we're not going to go through all of them. We'll just kind of pick up the ones that look that we remember or look interesting or something. And I do have a list of albums, but we probably won't talk about those as extensively because I think sometimes when you talk about singles, it or just individual songs that kind of brings things back. Um, I will. I do want to mention that um, I looked up the Billboard number ones on the Hot 100 from January through December. So this is going chronologically through the year. This isn't, uh, you know, the best-selling, it was the worst-selling. Boys to Men, we start off the, the year with the On Bended Knee by Boys to Men, which had been a holdover from 1994. Um, and then a song that was released in 1984, but finally hit number one in 1985, was Creep by yes. TLC. And it was the first of two songs, number ones they had off the, um, was it Crazy Sexy Cool was the name yes. of the album? Um, Creep is a great song. Yeah, Creep is a really, and it has that really good video of the three of them in the satin pajamas dancing in the, <laughs> talk about when, a 90s look. Well, and you talk about an inspiration. A bunch of menswear-inspired satin pajamas started hitting, like, Victoria's Secret. Yes. And those, um, when they were on the MTV Video Music Awards, they were wearing those overalls with, like, Victoria's Secret second skin satin bras mm. and like the sale of those bras took off after that performance and I myself had some and mm -hmm. they were they made your boobs look terrible but everybody <laughs> bought them because TL oh no wait you know what I'm lying my bad it was salt and pepper salt and pepper they were thinking what a man what or a something man. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah okay sorry With Vogue, right yes yeah. so sorry those two those two groups are very much burned in my mind at that time because they both had successful singles they were big around yeah. the same time yeah. that's my fault sorry um, Madonna's Take a Bow would then come in as number one. Um, also, everybody listen to Bedtime Stories. It's oh, yeah. a great fucking album. It, it's an, I would dare to say it's one, her, one of her more underrated albums because it got kind of... She had a great... She had Babyface as her producer. Yeah, but it kind of got... It did really well, but like you remember the early 90s with her and the sex book and erotica and yeah. everything, but then it... But then they tend to skip over Bedtime Stories a little bit and go right to like Ray of Light and was it 90... Eight mm -hmm. or 97, 98, I think it was. It was when we were in college. Yeah. So, but I remember this video because I believe it. It was Antonio Banderas in this video. No, but there was a bullfighter. There's a bullfighter. Well, this was basically her uh, Evita uh, audition. audition. Yeah, that's what I remember. And whenever they would, it's whenever, not even my favorite song. And I know, it's, album, I know, there's also a, a similar meme song by Rihanna, but I. I don't think I know. I've heard that, but yeah. I just I, every time I hear the phrase "take a bow," I think of Madonna. So, yeah, and and then after that was the song that that I was talking to you about the other night. I could have sworn <laughs> it sounds like it should have been released in like 1991. No you way, know, man! This is how we do it by Montel Jordan. This is very much a song of that time. This is how we do it. talks about wearing Carl Kanai. Okay, like so it is that that I mean, year. You have to remember but this is this and this is why I like having you on for the music thing because your taste in music um, even now really especially even <laughs> now but, but especially back then when we before we met and when we met dipped into thing like we had some crossover stuff like we both like groups like Stone Temple Pilots and the Foo Fighters and Smashing Pumpkins but I was like way more on the in Pearl Jam but I was more the the rock the alternative stuff which well but, all your friends were metalheads yeah I had a lot of friends who were metalheads and stuff but you also listened to a lot of R&B a lot of hip hop 
yes. rapid stuff. And, and of course, pop like Madonna and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I like the fact that you come on here because we can talk about a wide range of of music styles. Yeah, I mean, listen, my taste good. wasn't good. It was just yeah. different. I knew this song because it was on the radio. You can't all get the away time. from it. I think I had the single. But you know what? I also had the single The Low by Cracker. Yes, we still so, have like, that. It's I mean, yeah, case. like I mean, I have a, I, I yeah. do have pretty diverse yeah. tastes. Then you had, um, oh god, the, the Brian Adams song we already yes. mentioned. Have you ever really done the? Why does every girl love this song? This was inescapable <laughs> as well because um, you know there were certain radio stations um, that, like the clock radio in my parents' kitchen, was tuned to. <laughs> you know, we had we had one of those. It was it yeah. Was, my parents used to have one. It was one of the ones that you screwed into the Upside, underside of the underside cabinet. Of the cabinet. Um, 106.1 WBLI or 97.5 WALK were the two. And they were really the only two that you could pick up on the radio. And they were the two that handled school closings because back in the day when you had to listen to the school closings on the radio because they never did call you on an auto call. Mm -hmm. So they played this all the fucking time. It was just, it was completely unavoidable. Yep. And then you have Waterfalls. Waterfalls, I remember... Which is in the new Captain Marvel. Everybody go see it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and Waterfalls, I remember the video being played a lot. I think it won a few VMAs, too. At the time, it was the most expensive music video ever made. Mm -hmm. So, it better do well. Yeah, it got played, like, all the time. Especially uh, in the fall, too. When, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, still a really, really good song. I would say... I think Creep's one of my favorite TLC songs, and No Scrubs is right up there. No Scrubs well. is the best. But that was, what, 98? Yeah, that was fan mail. Mm -hmm. And then you have Kiss from a That's another <laughs> one that was freaking unavoidable. Kiss from a Rose. And apparently Seal hates forever. that song. <laughs> Which, I mean, so do lots of people, but, I mean, he got paid to sing it. <laughs> also, I, I know we were talking about this, because I a big uh, group I listened to a lot the summer before I went to college and throughout the first year of college was... The Fuji's mm -hmm. Fuji Law came out December thirteenth, nineteen ninety five. December thirteenth. So it was our second year of college. Yeah, okay. So but it was still nineteen ninety five. Because I think. Um, oh we, no, no! It was our first year. What the hell am I talking about? We, yeah, it was right before. Talk, it was right before um, winter break. Yeah, because when we talked about ninety six, we talked. We mentioned because I played us out with um, "Killing Me Softly" yes. because that was. Well, and I think I told the story of how the Fuji's came to play yes. UVA, and I didn't yes. go like a dum dum. Yeah. And then Michael Jackson gets, and I forgot how, I forgot, because History Part 1 comes out, and I don't think we ever got a Part 2. Is that what, no, that's not when Scream came out. Scream came and out in 95. But oh, it, did it? It didn't, hit, it didn't hit number one. You Are Not Alone hit I number one. I fucking hate that song. It, it, well, and I feel very bad feelings yeah. toward Michael Jackson. Yeah, Scream with, Scream with Janet, which I think was one of his last, like, really great songs. It's not on the top ten list, but yeah. it's on this list of singles. And that, Directed that, by Mark Romanek. And that video was one of the most extensive videos ever made, too, because yeah. it was just, it was all sorts of weird and stuff, and, you know... Well, they were on a spaceship. Yeah, the spaceship and everything, but it was, it was a... And, and I think by then, he lost a lot of his luster anyway, because, you know, that we, we... That was when he was going broke. Yeah, Leaving Leaving Neverland, Neverland came out a few weeks ago on HBO, and people are talking about it, but in the same way, like, when people from our generation, when neither of us watched it, because we just really did not want to I have to a hard it. time with... I, I believe them. I don't have to hear about it in detail. I have a hard time when... Terrible things happen to children. Well, especially since the two of us have, and, and a lot of people our age, have been hearing these stories I mean, since 1993, yeah. 94. Like, yeah. You know, you're talking about 25 years worth of this. Yeah. 
people, you know, and it, he'd skirted the law and he'd gotten out of prosecution and like all of these yeah. things for years and years and years and years. So this isn't, to us, this isn't a bombshell. Right. It's just further confirmation of things we'd already believed. So, and, and he did, like, I look at some of the things, some of the songs, especially some of the ballad type of songs. Like if you go back to... That one where he's like whining about his childhood. I'm like, yeah. this is creepy as fuck. Yeah, you go, Cause you go back to the songs from that are on like off the wall and thriller and the ones that are a little bit softer and stuff or whatever. They're, they're, you believe he's singing to a woman, not a little boy. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very much love songs, but like you get to like or the like there was a song he released this year called Earth Song. I don't think I've ever heard it, but it was just, it was just that the weirdness of this, this yeah. sort of like, and you are not alone is another one where you just like it's. It, well, and isn't really that the one where he's with Lisa Marie? Yeah, and they're like in towels oh, or some God, shit. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, Even Jesus don't want to see that. Gangsta's Paradise, which is the biggest song, it really is the biggest song yes. of the year by Coolio, comes out. Um, that was another one you couldn't escape right. at all. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta low. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool I'm the kind of cheater, little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night Saying prayers in the streetlight Dangerous Minds has not aged well, by the way um, It wasn't, it didn't age well when it came out When she's all like, we're gonna do a Dylan Dylan mashup I'm like, shut up, Michelle yeah. This is terrible. There is a mad, I love you, but no. There's a mad TV sketch from years ago um, parodying that and uh, what was that Hillary Swank one? Um, Freedom Writers called Nice White Lady. Well, that's what, I mean, they might as well just call these movies White Savior. Yeah. You know, you want to watch a teacher actually make a difference, watch Stand and Deliver. Which is at least like, they're all Hispanic. Which is the best teacher movie out there. Oh yeah, it's, it's the is, best. It's a phenomenal. Yeah, screw movie. Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Watch Stand and Deliver. My favorite Mariah Carey song. Is fantasy. I I love that and. Have Connie. I finally have I finally brainwashed you with my um my eleven minute fantasy jungle remix it's, that I used to run to all the time. Your eleven minute fantasy jungle remix is really really good, but no that that is a really really good. Look up the Def Jam mix of Mariah Carey's Fantasy. You will not be disappointed. Was, it is 11 minutes of fabulousness.
It was just because I, 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 I had it in my, I, the song was playing in my head. I was looking this up and I went on the Wikipedia page for fantasy because I was kind of curious. Now you have the album Daydream. And um, I was reading about how the record company was like really, really hesitant to release that, to, to do the album and the song and, and the remix because oh, isn't ODB on the remix? He, well, there's an ODB there's remix an ODB, and right. then there's a bunch of club mixes, but yeah, ODB, it's he, one of the last things he did before he died. Yeah, so he, she did the remix with ODB. And, I think, and fact check that. She had been going further and further more toward hip hop or, sorry, urban music <laughs> as it was categorized. I heard her new single today and it's actually getting back into that, getting yeah, back into that beat. Because when she put out Butterfly a couple of years later, it was way more, I think, like it was... Although know. she had that, I can't remember what song it was, and I, I'm going to try and bring it full circle because Bone Thugs and Harmony was on that single, and it took place in like a casino. I really liked that song, and I hate Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> Yeah, so I, was really I know that I know the, the they're in the video. And let's not forget, I, I know the video. I will always love Mariah because she's the reason I know who Wentworth Miller is, <laughs> and the whole reason I watch Prison Break. So yeah, so Fantasy comes out. That was a that was a big hit. Um, then she's knocked off the number one spot by Whitney with uh, Exhale. Back and remember when they did that song together. Mm -hmm. Oh, I miss Diva Battles. And then, and then she closes out, and this is this is a song that would carry into '96 oh, with Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, which is a song I. Now I, I read the, um, I read the background of the song, and that she started writing it when one of the guys who was in the CNC Music Factory had died from complications and AIDS, mm -hmm. and she had been looking to collaborate with Boys to Men, and they were doing something very similar, so they kind of combined the two ideas. It's a very, it, it has not aged well no. as a song. It was never a song I actually liked, but it spent 16 weeks as a number one song. It is tied with the song Despacito by Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee featuring Justin Bieber you know for what? the record of the longest number one song. Uh, here's a hot take. I'd rather listen to Despacito for 16 weeks <laughs> than One Sweet Day because at least I could run and or dance to it and just ignore yeah. Justin Bieber. Like... I'd rather listen to that than Mariah and Boys to Men. Sorry, but they they played that video because it was. They I think that video is just them singing in the, in the studio. studio. It was very yeah. We are the world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was so, very We are the world. So we're in we're in a bunch of. Um, I, it's just an alphabetical list of singles that came out over the course of and and I had I had copied and pasted this from Wikipedia and I trimmed it down. Did you? Yeah, I did. I didn't like it um, because there were a lot. Now it starts with. A song you hate. I really fucking hate this First song. of the month by Book Listen, <laughs> I'm all about singing your experience, but when I, I just, A, I fucking hate that group, and B, I fucking hate that song. I hate everything about it. I hate their droning voices. The lyrics are bad. It's not a good rap. It has bad rhythm. I legit want to set that song on fire. It's terrible. Did they sing any good songs? End of take. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they sing that other one that's like, it's something about like dying or some shit. Mm. Oh, it was when Easy E died. Oh, okay. And they sang it like. In Which would have been later this year. I think he died in '95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. did. I mean, I'm sure Dre. I'm sure Ice Cube would tell you yeah what was yeah. coming to him and Dre. But like, oh, see you at the crossroads. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. I also fucking hate that song. I just don't <laughs> like them. 
All right, this up. I'm looking at this list and I'm in the A's and I'm looking all over you by Live. And Live is just this <laughs> mistake that I, I made because of the girl I was dating. I'm laughing because when I was first looking at it, I'm like, who's Liv? <laughs> like, I had to think Live, about it for a minute. Now, th there's, th there's this general rule that I've always had that like every group has like one good song except for Nickelback. All Over You is actually pretty good. It's all right. It's, it's good. Um, I Alone is also that's the really That's the better one. That's, that's, that's the better one. Yeah, I remember that. God. Selling the Drama, I think, was my favorite live song. I think that was from 94. But then later on in the Oh my year, God, Lightning the, Crashes. The, and the, just go the Afterbirth song. Jump Off a Cliff. Yeah, the whole... Uh, God, that song. Which, which is... Which is um, which, if you listen to the song, the chorus of the song musically is really good, but just everything else about it sucks. Like the the way the way the song kind of they kind well, of well, and builds, the builds, video builds. that was kind of like losing my religion light. Yeah. Like I did, I just didn't Ugh. like any of it. I can't stand. I, I really don't like that. But I I liked that band for the better part of a year because of who I was dating, and then it was just like, no, what are you doing to yourself? Oh my god, though, better man. I that's probably one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. And mm -hmm. then you kind of listen to the lyrics, and you're like, this probably shouldn't be one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. Pretty fucking bad. Vitalogy is an interesting album because Vitalogy is like the last album before they made that huge shift into like this late '90s period where they were just in my and in anybody who's a Pearl Jam fan of Pearl it, Jam. It was late just 90s him like screaming over screaming. a beat. Yeah, yeah, but like or or that sort of like you know half out of it thing. It was just half of it was just like it, they became boring in yeah. my mind. It was just never really. Well, and the, I think the reason why I like that song so much is it just it sounded a little more con like contemplative. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was yeah. it, it had like a kind of it didn't it didn't kind of like build up to like this release like a lot yeah. of their songs used to. But it to. still has a nice slow build to it. That's too. what I mean. Yeah. It's very it's nuanced. In fact, you know, because you because I liked it so much, I didn't really start paying attention to the lyrics until like legit like a number of years ago. Like so I had liked it like all through college yeah. and then you just don't really think about it until you listen to like you really pay attention, then you're like, Oh shit, this is dark. Yeah. Um, anyway. Back for good by take that. Oh, fuck that. Well, I mean, I love Robbie Williams, but like That's Robbie Williams. That's I was like, which one? It was Take That and All for One were two Completely groups. different groups. Yeah, but it, All for One was like some randos. Take that was British. Yeah. I, but like so that was the Robbie Williams. That group. was the Robbie Williams band. He had like a shaved head, like a buzz yes, cut. Yes, yes. But he looks so good in Millennium. <laughs> He, yeah, I mean, like, that was the video. That's a good song. That's the video that sealed it. It's a good album. Um, so Bedtime Story comes out this, this year. Oh, my God, that Maybe video. Maybe it came out in 94, but I mean... It, it, I still can't watch that video where the oh, where the God. eyes are mouths and the mouths... Is that Mark, is that Mark Romantic? I, I think so. I just know Bjork co-wrote it. Yeah, we... And you that, can tell that isn't it. We could do an episode. We'd have to. We'd have to do some research and and some some watching of videos. But we could do a music video episode about specific directors like Mark Romanek and Hype Williams, Hype Williams, David Fincher, Yep, Herb Ritz, um, even Nigel Dick. <laughs> well, and what about um, Wayne Isham? Yeah, Wayne Isham, McGee, McGee. Yeah, yep. so like you know, just um, well, it's interesting, like with McGee, because like. I, you almost feel like I, I see on the list. I'm jumping down the alphabet here, but speaking yeah. of Bjork, it's oh so quiet, mm -hmm. um, which I think Spike Jones directed. Spike Jones is another one, yeah. Um, and uh, it got a very like I could see where McGee saw that and was like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna make all my videos look like Busby Berkeley numbers yeah. <laughs> and well, uh, and do it that way. Yeah, and then you have I'm um, speaking of Spike Jones, Buddy Holly by Weezer, and that that video was like people. I mean, oh my god, we Everybody saw the video last a couple weeks ago, and it's. Everybody had the blue album. Yeah. Everybody. And and now they're doing like 
Okay, I do not I like... I hate their cover of, of No Scrubs. No Scrubs. I fucking hate that. I don't like any of it. I don't I, even like their cover of Africa. I, I think it's either. weak sauce in my mind. I think the whole thing is weak sauce. And, you know, it's interesting to see that, like, when they first came out and you are like, oh, Rivers Cuomo, so blah, blah, blah. And, like, he hasn't evolved at all. And I'm 20 fucking years older. Yeah. Like, it just... I'm, I, it's still that navel-gazing Peter Pan kind of back-on-your-bullshit. Yeah. Although I did hear that song, um, Sober Up, that mm -hmm. has, like, that great, like, yeah. orchestral little riff in the beginning, and it, it, it's that's band... It's, like, AJR Azure. I don't know what they're called. But it's featuring Rivers Cuomo. Mm -hmm. And I really like that song. Uh -huh. But, like... I do not like this Weezer cover bullshit. The Blue album is really good, though. The Blue album the blue is still holds up. The Sweater Song is my favorite song of that album. I like... Um, and No One Else is also good. Yes, that's the song I was yeah. just thinking of. No One Else is such a really good song. Bunny Holly's a really cool song. I just... It, it just... it. The video is, of course, the whole Happy Days thing yes. that Spike Joe's directed, which which is still... It's a silly video, so it's... It, um, Madonna's Human Nature. I love the song Human Nature by Madonna. It's a great song, and I think that's off of... Is that, that bedtime stories? It's off bedtime stories. Okay. Um, and it has that great video where she's in like the mm, final the, the, thing. Yeah, yeah, she's spanking a little chihuahua. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, um, so we also have to talk about one of my favorite Smashing Pumpkin songs that sure. is not on this list, mm. and it's Zero. I think that was that album came out this year, but I want to say that single got released in '96. Okay, because it's saying. Because the because. I'm looking at Wikipedia. It says 1995. Okay, so maybe I... Oh, wait, but now it says 96. Okay, yeah, so, so there are conflicting Mel reports. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out. Well, either way, now you all know that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. End of, end of take. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness came out in um, October of mm -hmm. 95, and uh, um, I do love that song. That, that album is... I, I don't listen to that album all the way through very often. But I do. I will listen to the songs often. But then again, it took me a while to come back and to listen to the songs of the album. Not because I don't like them, but because WHFS used to play them. Them mm. and the Chili Peppers constantly. Speaking of which, this is the Chili Peppers coming out with one hot minute, oh, which was God. one of the first Chili. It was just it the was first so Chili Peppers. The airplane. Just, airplane and, and um, my friends. I hate. I hate it. Yeah, I, I just did not all. like any. Is that when um, Dave Navarro was yes. in the group? Yes. Yeah. Okay. When he married Carmen Electra? Yes. Yes. They had that funny reality show for a while yeah. or something. But we also have to call out Big Papa. Allow me to lace these lyrical douches in your bushes. Uh, Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? The, the back, back of the club, club. sipping my wet is where you find me. The, back of the, club. the best. And Dear Mama by Tupac. So we're at the height of the East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, me against, that's about to go yeah. down yeah, they both, the next year. They both die in 96. Yeah. yeah. Me Against the World came out this year. That, that album. Yeah, but Ready to Die is fantastic. Ready to Die, I think, had come out the year before. It had, because we were listening to Big Papa, like, senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, um, let's see, Collective Soul, I remember, had a pretty big album, because they played that World That I Know song, a video on it, on MTV a lot, in December. Let's see, like I said, Earth Song by Michael Jackson. Oh, song yeah, Good by Better Than Ezra. 
It's like my favorite. Deluxe came out. I, I love that song. I like that song. That's a really good album. I, I still listen to that. I have a bunch of the songs on that album off my on, on one of my playlists. Good. Um, in the Blood is a really good one. Oh my god, Hook by Blues Traveler. Talk about a song. <laughs> Hook and uh, Run Around were the two that were. Yeah. The time. Run Around had the video with um, the Wizard of Oz. Yes. A bit. You know, Prince came out with Gold, which I think in the next year would have the most beautiful girl of the world. Like, mm. the, I think 96 was when the most beautiful girl in the world was released as a single, but the album came out this particular year. And then, of course, one of the biggest albums of the year was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Don't I know, because Melissa played it every fucking morning. I'm standing yeah. there trying to blow dry my hair, listening to, like, you ought to know. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Does she speak eloquently? And would she have your baby? I'm sure she'd make a really excellent mother. Cause I love that she gave every day was a way for the baby for you to be open wide. No, and every time you speak her name. Hand in my pocket were the two. Now you ought to know. I don't think is aged as well. I don't like hand in my pocket. Either. Hand in my pocket is actually more tolerable now. Oh, than I it was disagree. Twenty five years ago. I'll never forget the time the DJ was like, "And we're about to play a song that only took Alanis Morissette ten minutes to write it." I'm like, "No fucking kidding." <laughs> Ironic is a terrible song. That is a terrible song. The, you learn is a really good song. The best song off that album is Head Over Feet. That's a really good song too. I really like "You Learn" as well. I think. Oh that, God, I don't like that either. I like the chorus of it. I just I hate I, it I, all, except "Head Over Feet." I heard that album all the way through a lot because my sister has that album. Yeah, I could see that. Um, now you were talking. We were looking through this list because you were looking through a list of, of songs or something the other night, just on your iPad. And Labouche had "Be My Lover." They did. And um, there were. I was trying to look at a couple of the. Like, Who was the thing that I was saying they had like um, like three different singles that were like number one? It wasn't Labouche, it was somebody else, but I can't remember. I don't know. Doesn't matter. You can find it. I mean, because you have Labouche, you have, um, I think that made its way onto a Jock Jams album, that fucking Redneck song, Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah, that's terrible. It was also released that, this year, and I can't stand that song at all. And then you have I Could Fall In Love, because that was when Selena, that actually hit after yeah. she died. Yes. Yeah, there's a, the Selena released a few songs. Um, you have no doubt, Tragic Kingdom. Yeah. You have that totally terrible house dance remake remake of Total Eclipse of the Heart by. Um, that played at our wedding. Don't hate. <laughs> it played at our. It was I was dancing to it when my wedding planner told me that Robin was passed out in the bathroom, mm. and I had to leave and go take care of that shit. You know, I don't know where Nikki French is from. 
but in um, my France. mind, okay. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> in my mind, she's from Long Island. Because Probably. it's just it's like such Gina a Long G. Island sound. Yeah. Oh God, fucking Gina G. <laughs> God, that was the next year. Oh, fucking Gina G. Um, yeah, and th- but then you have like I'm looking through these these songs, and I'm, I'm looking through the things that would show up on like the adult friendly radio, the parent friendly radio. Hootie. Hootie. Only want to be with you, God. That played a lot. This, I, I, I saw Hootie in concert. In 1995. I know you did. Yeah. They have a couple of good songs. Um, trying to think of the one, uh, let, not Let Her Cry. Uh, their first, like, huge hit. Um, Hold My Hand. Hold My Hand, yes. That was that was one that I, I really, really still like. Roll to me, I heard all the time. Delamitri? Yeah, all the time on the um, the easy listening station in yes. Charlottesville. Z95.1. Yeah. song in the house of stone and light i don't why don't you sing it no oh come on <laughs> that was it was like in the house of stone and light you know the, the it was some weird christian <laughs> sounding like no. like it almost sounded like something like amy grant would sing but like for some reason it got like mainstream adult contempt airplay station because it's either out of the country <gasps> this station. is a call by Foo Fighters yeah yes. Foo Fighters came out that Foo Fighters year, came out their that, first that album because it was such a big deal that um, the drummer from Nirvana has a has a band yeah and, yeah, yeah. Um, <gasps> but uh, this is the one we were talking about The Bomb yes <laughs> these sounds fall into my mind oh my god I don't know how many times well, and you know the last time we heard it mm. at LAX in Vegas when they were doing the throwback Thursday yes. and it came on I was like oh my god <laughs>
Well, you have um, Two Unlimited was another group that is Here I Go, and I can't remember another song that they've had, but I know you have a couple of... Oh, well, that's all Jock Jams. Yeah, that's all Jock Jams stuff. That's again, Wonderwall by Oasis. Okay, so yeah. when I went home for winter break, the two songs that I heard all the time were Wonderwall and Glycerine by, by Bush. By Bush. Yes. Yes. All the time. That and Hook. <laughs> so those three songs basically were on repeat while I was home for winter break. Mm -hmm. We mentioned... Um, Zombie by the Cranberries. Zombie by the... That's, I wish they would play that more. Yeah, I don't want to hear I'm dreams. I'm tired of hearing dreams. Or even like, like, what's the one? Is it Ode to My Family? Ode to My Family came out this year as well. Was, I don't think that, I, I, I think I might have I actually like that. Left it off the list by accident. That's probably... I like that, that single better than the others. Yeah, No Need to Argue is a good album my sister had. I used to borrow it every once in a while. I never really went out and got my own copy. But you know what's funny? I'm looking at these Janet Jackson songs. What'll I, what'll, what'll I do? And whoops now. I have no idea what the fuck those are. Does, they might have been the extra tracks she put on her grade. Because Design of a Decade came out mm. that year. And um, because mm. Janet had come out in 93... 94 and I think um, and Velvet Rope comes out a couple of years later well and the I Want You by Madonna that's it, isn't that from her her album of like covers mm -hmm. where she sings Live to Live Here Anymore um either that or it's I know that she's got that and you own it it's the something to remember um the, Immac the Immaculate Collection no the Immaculate Collection was 90 because Justify My Love yeah, came yeah. off of that something to remember was a collection of her ballads and it had um, yeah so I think it, they she were did love don't live here anymore on that yeah, one. Right? And, and, yeah, and and I want you. So I think yeah. she did them as the um, the tracks that she put on because it was like you know crazy for you was on there mm -hmm. and, and I'll remember yeah and and a bunch of other uh, slower slower songs. Oh um, God! And they have one of us by Joan Osborne. I hate that song. It's like if God had a name, it would be shut the fuck up, Joan Osborne. <laughs> Please shut up. Everybody knows Saint Teresa was a better single. This is awful. Well, the theme for Friends, I wouldn't really need to go into that, but that was another one that got like played over and over and over again. Um, to the point where, like, for a while, I don't think they were going to release the whole song or they were going to record the whole song. And then they did the video and with the Friends. Did, did, did the video with the like Friends. Playing um, big instruments. Yes. Um, I put the song Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter only because, I, I don't remember the song, but only because... I remember the, it and the video. And... They were a nine inch nails wannabe band. Type of band. And then suddenly they they um 
take my picture. In what, 2099, 2000? Yeah, they completely changed was, their sound. Yeah, it was, it was so weird. Because I saw them open for Ozzy Osbourne in 96. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, the lyrics in that song are so dumb. Where go my airplane? Isn't that like the <laughs> yes, opening line? Yes. I don't even know what the hell that means. So the Google Dolls album of Boy Named Goo comes I out. They, they, which is still... I a, heard that a lot first year. Which is still a good album. And Name, despite that Name was the Name was the, the ballad. It wasn't even a ballad, but it, it was, was really the, just a mid-tempo. It was the acoustic mid-tempo on, a, on an album that is mostly, mostly fast. Believe yeah. it or not, and it, it wouldn't be until like you know the next couple of albums where they kind of lighten up a little bit. But name is such a really good song. I would rather hear that on repeat for two days straight than listen to Iris once. God, I hated it. Iris got and, and they hated Iris. It was so bad. So much, so so very much. by Cher on here because I just remember you doing your, your Cher impersonation. So I will not be doing that here. Um, oh, it's funny. When you're looking, I'm looking at the albums that came out and I'm looking at 311. I had no idea who the hell 311 was until I got to college and my roommate like loved them. So she used to play Grassroots all the time. Mm-hmm. And then the 311, 311 yeah, yeah, album yeah. came out. I think the summer between first and second year maybe yeah down down yeah duh, down. the summer yeah because it's yeah. july of 95 you dumbass yeah. Yeah. so yeah it was um uh or no the summer between the album i guess the album had been out but the, the singles didn't start charting until all mixed um, up was the one that finally because they mm. did they did down but then they also did thank you and then uh-huh. um all mixed up was the big hit yeah. And then you had like Amber, and I'm, I don't even think they're all the same album. Don't Just Stay being, Home was another one. Don't Stay Home, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, the, the group I, got, I really got into second year was Sublime. And I mean, I don't, I don't ever think any of, except um, what I got, I think, charted. But he was already dead. The lead singer was already dead yeah. when what I got charted. And then like Santeria, I think, also charted. And then The Wrong Way got a lot of airplay. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't like that. I don't really like Sublime very much, but uh, talk about okay. So talk about something that did not age well. Like I hear, I hear every once in a while the corner will play like 
Usually one of what the, I got. Yeah, what yeah. I got or those play Santeria sometimes. And I'm just like, I did not make good decisions in college with my musical taste. <laughs> and then, like, they tried to relaunch with, like, a new singer and yeah. recently. And it just, I don't know, like, ska, like, dirtbag raw. I don't know what the hell they are. I just, <laughs> it's just not working for me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. Natalie Merchant's first solo album came out this year too, yeah. and a Carnival. Carnival was still, yeah. It's still a really good song. I like Carnival better than um. What was the one that was Wonder? Wonder. Like, yeah, that yeah. was the next one. I did And then yeah. her next album after that was not particularly great. But we do have to mention Boobastic by Shaggy because Mr. Lava Lava. <laughs> Shaggy's great. list of albums and just kind of like some of them carry over into 96 because they had singles like the president of the united states of america came out with their album in july of this yeah. year but lump. lump and then peaches like that really starts to hit as you I, get and i saw the them at year. hfs yeah um, in 96 yeah so but then like garbage is first album comes out uh-huh. and that becomes bigger as you get yeah. toward the next year that first garbage album is still really queer good. is a great song that was their first single, yeah. and it doesn't get as much love as, like, I'm Only Happy When It Rains or whatever. I, I don't think Stupid Girl aged that well, but Queer is great. Queer is in that... So there was that time where I really got into kind of, like, atmospheric kind of, like, songs. So I start, I listened to a lot of, like, Portishead and mm-hmm. Massive Attack and kind of stuff like like that, like Queer by Garbage or, like, the Sneaker Pimps, shout mm. out. Um, so, like, that kind of what they would play. This is how old I am. Kind of what they would play on Chillville on Sundays. Yes. On our local radio station. <laughs> so, um, you know, er, not early Moby, because early Moby was obnoxious, but like... The, the play era the, yeah, Moby. Play yeah, play era Moby. Yeah. I could, like, the, um, some of that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's... Um, I, I do... That is one of my... One of the things that, like, I will stop and listen to it if it's in that genre. Yeah. Well, then you get like you get two punk albums that come out this year. Um, Ransom's and Outcome of the Wolves, which is Ruby, oh, Ruby, Ruby Soho, which yeah. I love. I heard that a lot. And Green Day's Insomniac, which is the follow up to Dookie, that mm-hmm. I think did well. Walking Contradiction is a really, really good. That's song. That's a good one. Up, but then, what but was the first single though? With the Stink Breath, which was was that the one where the coffin was running around the. I'm just I'm trying to find other albums. Um, I do love that I what you put I wish on here by Skilo. <laughs> Cause like I I can I can wrap the whole thing. Um, oh, I wonder if I got a man. No, I think I got a man came out before that. Because that's another one I can completely recite from memory. I did put a letters to Cleo album. The letters to Cleo album came out in August of '95 uh-huh. only because I just wanted to Ben Wyatt. The Ben Wyatt. 
Yeah, because their song was on like the Melrose Place soundtrack, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And then the waiting, there were a few really big soundtracks, like Empire Records soundtrack was. Uh, oh my god, yeah, Positive K, I got a man was released in December nineteen ninety two. So yeah. I'm on a number yeah. of years off. The Empire Records soundtrack, which we have a copy of. Um, came out this year did better than the movie kind of the way the reality bite soundtrack did the same thing because the gin blossom song till i hear it from you which i think was their only number one or their biggest number one was on the or, or, or the rock chart number one it was one of the best selling songs um was on it and then there was the edwin collins song uh, a girl like you i love that song which is such a great song yes um, that album is really really good it's this sort of this collection of like post-grunge post yeah. well, pop songs that are really, really good. Well, and A Girl Like You kind of sounded like something that would have been on like a Quentin Tarantino movie mm-hmm. soundtrack. I was very like in that vein. It was almost like retro. that Urge Overkill Girl You'll Be a Woman yep, yep, yep. cover from the previous year. Yep. Dangerous Minds' soundtrack, of course, comes out and is one of the biggest albums of the year, as is the soundtrack to Waiting to Exhale, mm. which I think I have it. I think you have, yeah. I do have it. So those are the big soundtracks, but like, you have, it's just, I think it's, 95 is just an interesting year because it shows the transition between like, you know, some of these albums would be bigger later on yeah. as you get to 96 and 97. And I'm trying to look and see what I, I know what I own or what you own. Well, we do have that giant book full yeah, of CDs. Yeah, we have two giant books full of CDs. Yeah. Um, oh, Everclear. Sparkle and Fade comes out this I year. I love Santa Monica. I, I will still listen to Santa Monica. It's great. And, well, we've already talked about how I had bad, bad taste yeah. in men in the 90s because I thought <laughs> Art Alex Marcus was cute. And then Chris Isaac's um, Forever Blue came yeah. out oh, as well. That is such... I mean, I could fall asleep to that album every night. I love his voice. That's a great album. But you know what's interesting? Speaking of falling asleep to things, we have not talked about Dave Matthews. Oh, yes. So Ants Marching was a big single. I think, I don't know if Satellite came out, if they released Satellite this year or, or later in the year. That no, they did. It Satellite came out, I was, li- well, at the very least, I was listening to the CD again, Winter Break. I think Satellite had just come out. Okay, so it might have been early 96. No, I mean, like, I think it was, yeah, oh, no, it was the late album, 95. Because the album came out in 94. But, and, and, it was that and Crush, not Crush, sorry, Crash, Ugh. were the two albums that got a ton of like longevity. It got at least a few singles out of them. Well, you know, you can't hook up in your dorm room unless you're playing Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you got you got to be ready. <laughs> there were a lot of, there, were, there was a lot of hooking up to Dave Matthews back in the mid-90s in it, college campuses. Yeah, it was released in 1995. It was the fifth and final single from their LP, Under the Table and Dreaming. Mm, okay. So yeah, it was... But we all know that the superior single is not Crash, but Crush. Crush, which it's was 98. Yes, that was, yeah, that's that was the best. Uh, that was that's from the best one. That's a really cool song, too. I just remember, I, I mean, I knew who Dave Matthews was because I just did. And like, senior year of high school, like they were playing um, What Would You Say? Uh-huh. A lot. Yeah, I think I played a lot. That was the first single. And then... Um, Jimmy Thing, I think, came next. And then, like, Ants Marching was yeah. out. So I remember, like, going to orientation. Like, it was my first week in the, at UVA. And our one of our A's was like, 
okay, you're going to have to make a decision. Do you like Dave or don't you like Dave? And it was like wrapped up in all of it. Like, you know, it's never Thomas Jefferson or it's never TJ. It's Mr. Jefferson. Yeah. Like all the quirky weird shit that you learn when you start at UVA. And there's a lot of it. So, uh, but yeah, he was like, you're going to have to figure out if you like Dave Matthews. And I was like, I guess. I mean, I think I had, I think I brought Under the Table and Dreaming to school. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was fine. And now it's so funny because so many people are like, God, Dave Matthews sucks. It's like if a Birkenstock stood up at a microphone or whatever. And I'm like, it's harmless, dude. Like, you don't have to like it. It's okay. No one's going to make you like Dave Matthews. (laughs) Relax. I think... I think the corner has a Dave Matthews button, just like they have a Bob Marley button. Oh, <laughs> when yeah. they play a lot of Dave. Um, you kind of, I mean, you're kind of he's obligated kinda, down being here. Homegrown. I don't know why do? they place him a ten Bob Marley, but yeah, I can't get high in the middle of the workday. Yeah. I don't know why you're playing jamming <laughs> at ten a.m. Start. <laughs> Maybe I'd like my job. <laughs> but um, I like my job just fine. It's just I just I'm looking at these albums and I and I was really just kind of like I was leaving a lot behind and I had remember spending a lot of time in the fall of '95 just like listening to my roommate's CDs and they were a lot of it was older stuff so there was a lot of and and. Granted, they were also playing a lot of Fish and Dead, and I wasn't really that into them, Maybe. but I heard a lot of it. If I hear bouncing around the room one more time, I'm going to throw <laughs> something. Um, and it's the only tolerable song. Yeah. The tolerable song of this terrible band is still makes me want to throw shit. Yeah, there was... Um, there, I remember one song on some bootleg. They used to play it all the time, and it was actually good, but otherwise it was just like... Oh my god, bootleg, stop. Yeah. Like, um, I don't need a bootleg. With the Dead, I had like maybe three songs I liked. So were there any like bands or like people or artists that you know didn't like release something in 95, but because you went to college and you're trying to be that weird mix of like chill and whatever that you were introduced to? Or that you, like, it got played so often you just ended up, like... Um, I would say, let's see, what was I listening to um, because of that sort of stuff. Um, I, I heard Rusted Root get passed around quite yeah. a bit, even though that that album had been out for yeah, a while. Yeah, Semi On My Way. Semi On My Way got I played, played a, lot. a lot. My roommate, Phil, who I had a, for the first semester of college before he moved out into the front room of the, of the two-room apartment we were in... Mm. Um, used to play a lot of dead he used to play a lot of fish um i would i would willingly listen to the steve miller band when he mm. was playing it because you know with it you're with obligated to listen to stuck in the middle with you yeah um well we will god that that was the other thing though it wasn't necessarily bands or anything but the soundtracks to reservoir dogs and pulp, pulp fiction, fiction were on constant son rotation. of a preacher man every girl acapella group at UVA would sing it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you realize it's not sexy if you're all like singing an acapella, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't pitch perfect. What are you <laughs> doing? I don't remember a few Sarah McLaughlin songs getting played. Maybe not by my roommates, but there were Funneling Towards Ecstasy had come out like the year before, so you would hear like Elsewhere in Possession and like some of the other songs off that album, Ice Cream and, and stuff. Um, aside from stuff like Pearl Jam or God Live or Blues Traveler, Dave Matthews Band, the stuff that was big, it really was just a lot of like the same like five CDs and Cypress Hill for some reason and (laughs) 
and and because they use "Son of a Preacher Man" and hits from the bomb. Yeah, and it was hits from the bomb it, and yeah. uh, and sand in the membrane and stuff. I loathe Jimmy Buffett, and the reason I loathe Jimmy Buffett is because of the people I was around in college because they played Jimmy Buffett all the fucking time. I don't understand how. So many people you knew in college had the musical taste of like a fifty-year-old secretary in like a personal injury firm. Like I don't, I don't get know. it. I, I didn't, Jimmy Buffett? I didn't get either because I was still listening to Nine Inch Nails, like yeah. you know, and 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 uh, one of my roommates, named Dave, had had musical taste that went beyond just kind of the shit everybody else was playing. So he had he and I both had a lot of Nine Inch Nails. He would listen to Moby, Portishead. Um, so Dave and I have more in common than we thought. <laughs> um, oh God, who else? Uh, it was a lot of industrial sound. Like I don't oh, think he was yeah. listening to Ministry, but like, like that sort of like really heavy guitar industrial sound. Like if you stuff. were in a warehouse, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Had no it other was choice. Very kind of driving. It wasn't metal. And then uh, you know some some other bands like that. So he so sometimes I would like you know kind of pop in some of the stuff that he had. Um, but then we also listened to like Floyd and like you know oh. I heard a lot of Pink Floyd and I heard a lot of um, but and then some U two and stuff yeah for the most part it was just things think of music people used to smoke pot to and that's basically what got played in a lot of the the, the halls of Loyola because it's basically what people were doing on, you know on weekend nights and then when when you went to whatever social function or something that involved dancing like it was a college dance or something which they did have at my school it was like. It was like they hired. It was like they paid twenty bucks to some guy with a decent sound system and four Jock Jam CDs. Well, so <laughs> yeah, these Jock Jams are awesome. So I cannot believe you're not saying the Indigo Girls. Yes, because it, it totally slipped my mind. Yeah, I mean, like Indigo Girls, and then we listened to a lot of Indigo Girls, a, a lot, lot of Galileo, a lot of yeah, or like um, least complicated. Mm-hmm. That was the song. That was my favorite song of theirs. So that just kind of sunk in by osmosis. And then, like, I think I've told the story before where Sarah sold her textbooks to get the Led Zeppelin box set (laughs) before our exams, which is probably why her GPA was worse than mine. So we listened to a lot of Zeppelin, and, of course, we listened to a lot of Dave. We used to call it, we're going to kick the Dave, which means we were going to go to sleep and put on Dave Matthews on my CD player until it just ran out. Mm -hmm. Um... And so, yeah, so we, we listened to a lot of that, a lot of Zeppelin, a lot of Van Morrison, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, and I hate to admit it, but a big song that played out of the windows of every fraternity every spring was Sweet Home Alabama, which yeah. now makes me want to set myself on fire, but oh, I, used to have, I heard that song a lot. I used to hear Freebird a lot. Freebird, and then like, um, and I gotta say, there was this awesome kid at Pylam, one of the fraternities that we used to go to all the time. He was an awesome G- DJ, and he had all these imports from, like, all over the world. Mm. And that's how I knew the Macarena <laughs> before it was released in the <laughs> summer of 96. Yeah. I, I already knew how to do that. Because Chris was my um, date to my first year formal um, at my sorority. And, like, the Macarena played. And, like, you know, this is Chris, who thinks he knows... Or thought he knew everything mm-hmm. about like dance and pop culture, and he was the one we would go clubbing together. And the Macarena started playing, and all of us jumped up to go do the dance. And it was, and it wasn't English, like the, it wasn't the English. It was the Spanish version. It was, it was the yeah, entirely yeah. Spanish the, version. The English version that would come out would, would came be out the summer after first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I jump up and like we're all dancing, and Chris is like, 
what the hell was that? Yeah. Like, he was like, what are you all doing? I'm like, come on, it's the Macarena. And so, um, so yeah. And then, like, I remember he called me one morning. He's like, you have to turn on VH1 right now. Yeah. And it was the English language version <laughs> of the Macarena. So. And with the Macarena. Yes, I already yeah. knew how to do the Macarena. But, yeah, so it was just, um, yeah, that was the music. I don't think I have really any of the mixtapes I made back in college anymore. I probably threw them all Oh, away. I have mine. Yeah. <laughs> you made me. Yeah, they were in my car. Yep. <laughs> um, which used to be my car. Yeah. But um, but I, I might have a couple. Of things. I don't think I have them anymore, honestly. I think I threw them all away. But um, room mixtapes were like just... Or the mixtapes that I would often make because my car had a cassette player and I had a CD player, so I would just make mixtapes of things I was listening to so that I could listen to them in the car and I could tell you that. That is it was, the art of the mixtape. Yeah, so so it was basically like, um, but it was a lot of older stuff that because I had been either like listening to only like three or four bands in high school and then like you know. It's like I was like secretly listening to stuff like 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 Billy Elton John. Joel. Billy Joel was one of those things where because we were all you on Long piano Island, man. Yeah, like yeah, so because we were all on, on Long Island, even like anybody. I mean, there were I'm sure there are people from Long Island who can't stay Billy Joel all the way the same. There are some people from Jersey who hate Springsteen, but at the same time, it was like you know if you saw anybody listening to Billy Joel on Long Island, it was like default behavior, just kind of like whatever. But like you know, I would I would love to listen to like stuff like Elton John and Queen. And, you know, just kind of like, you know, keep quiet about it because it wasn't as cool as, say, some of the shit my friends were listening to. And again, had I had the balls to just be like, you know, whatever, I'm going to listen to fuck I want and not like feel embarrassed about it, I probably would be a, you know, well, again, <laughs> would have been a better person back in, when I was 16 or 17 or 18. But Well, you know, to bring it back to the beginning... That first year of college, you come out, and even if you aren't determined to be exactly the opposite of what you were, like I was, you still felt like you had to be somewhat malleable just to get along with the people in your circle. Yeah. Or just to, like, you know, because you don't know what's going to be accepted, and you don't, because the yeah. rules are completely different. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, and this is something that, because, you know, again, I know we're 18, but we're kids. And we talk about how, like, you know, you're 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 still kind of very immature, and we both we both talked in the past about, hey, like, you know, our generation didn't take gap years. Right. It was it was it brought shame and dismay upon your family. My mom was afraid if I wasn't going to go to college when she started making my own money, and, and she was right. And <laughs> so so we were, you know, you're living with I'm living with four other people, and you become under the impression that these have to be your friends when you don't realize that you could live with somebody and not be friends with them but as long as the two of you got along yeah, enough yeah. you could live with each other pretty well. And I had I had one or two roommates in college who I didn't live for I left lived for maybe one year or a semester because they left the, the school or whatever, mm -hmm. whom I think if we had lived together um Beyond that, we probably would have gotten along. My sophomore roommate Dave, I think. I think the thing that the thing that that bugged me the most about him was the fact that he was a total slob. But other than that, um, other than that, you know, I think we would have gotten along. You know, I think we it had had we roomed in a double or something for the rest of the college, it probably would have probably would have gone well. Um, but he he decided to transfer yeah. out at the end of the year because I think we. I think that like you, you start to mature and you realize like oh I don't have to spend all my time around these people, 
And, um, you know, that's something for another conversation, probably in a few episodes, but, um, but it was just, it was, it was like, you're right. You're, you're trying to fit in because you're thinking about classes, but at the same time as a freshman, you're thinking about, you're thinking about like the built in social life that comes with being away at college Yeah. and the group that you're going to find and, and like, you know, the niche you're going to carve for yourself or whatever. And for some of us, it takes a while to get there, but in the very beginning, you're like, yeah, sure okay, I guess I like, you know, yeah. the dead. I listen to the dead now too or something because, yeah. because everybody else has at least three dead albums. You yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, or Tom, like, you know, I listen, we used to listen to like a lot of Tom Petty too, which I'm not going to drag anybody on back because I love Tom Petty, but, but, um, like Tom Petty's greatest hit CD, which yeah, I, yeah. I still have, which is so good. But I mean, you know, stuff like that. So you're like, okay, but at the same time, like, you know, secretly, it's like, you know, no, I'm going to go listen to some Queen. <laughs> yeah. like that. So. Well, and it's, it was interesting, too, because when I got to you, I mean, you know, I love hip-hop, I love rap, I love mm-hmm. R&B, and when I got to UVA, it almost felt like I couldn't really anymore because, and you know, it was, it, it, it was a different time. I know yeah. 20 years didn't seem like that much time, but it is, and it's like, you know, it made me, like, I felt like I couldn't really because, you know, uh, I didn't want to seem like I was trying to, like, again, take someone else's culture or mm-hmm. try to be like someone else. It was just something I really loved. And then, like, a lot of my sorority sisters and stuff, they were all, like, boring white girls like me and <laughs> they just didn't listen to it. And so, you know, you got, like, yeah, it does, it. you know, I never really, honestly, I never really felt like I could own every single thing about myself that people might not like or people might think Mm -hmm. is stupid or dumb until I graduated college. It was like until I got out of these sort of obligatory constructs of where you have, because you're in a place for a certain amount of time and you just got to get through it. It wasn't until like I graduated college where I was like, fuck it. I don't care if you think it's dumb that I like journey or I don't care if you think it's weird that I, or that I, you know, whatever, whoever I like or whatever, if you don't like it, I just stopped. It was, it was free. It was like, I thought I was free when I got to college and I realized I wasn't truly free until I left. And I think that's a good setup for the next time we're going to talk and we're going to talk now. We're not going to talk in the very next episode because we were going to talk in episode 99. So Mm. it's about three or four episodes from now. And I, off the top of my head, I don't know what I'm doing next episode, but um, we'll leave it at that. So thank you once again for coming on. You're going to have to edit heavily. I know, I know. And so I'll, I'll do my best. This will be out in a couple weeks. All right. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, um, and I will be back one more time to take us out uh, right after this. Hey there, welcome to the Mirror Factory. I'm the foreman, Max Romero, so let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. The Mirror Factory is a podcast where we talk about your favorite passages from novels, novellas, and short stories. Each episode features a different guest, who will tell us a little about the book their passage is from and why it means so much to them. Then that guest will give us a special reading of their favorite passage for our listeners. If you think you'd like to be a guest on the Mirror Factory, drop us a line at Factory Mirror on Twitter, The Mirror Factory on Facebook, or at mirrorfactorypodcast at gmail.com.
The Mirror Factory is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Time to get back to work. Until next time, read a book. episode um i'd like again to thank amanda she'll be back with me in about four episodes for 1999 another milestone year that will be episode 99 come back in a few weeks for episode 96 i'm going to be talking about something i've been doing for a little while uh since january on a different blog called the uncollecting just kind of getting rid of stuff and talking about this comic and movie and stuff collecting pop culture collecting habit and what you do when you kind of hit that point where you need to move on or you need to divest yourself of some of the things you have even though you still love them so i'll be back in a few weeks with that until then uh check me out on twitter i'm at pop p-o-p-a-f-f and as always thank you for listening and take care Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness. Yeah, watch the world die.